Hello and welcome back to The Crow and the Raven, a weekly podcast featuring two friends discussing various topics. Our previous episodes are available on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Prime Music, Google Podcasts, Podvine, and Spotify. We will be recording a new episode live every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern with the episode going up on all the podcatchers Wednesday morning at 2 a.m. Eastern. Uh, we do have audience appreciation set up through Stripe on Anchor.fm if you'd like to support the podcast. Questions can be posted on our Spotify page for the podcast as well as our own Discord server. We'll do our very best to answer them towards the end of each podcast, so make sure to post those questions. And if you're looking for the link to the Discord server, you can check us out on Twitter. I am Carl Banson here, and our resident crow is Wikipedia. For our new audience members, I'm your resident crow, Isaiah. And I'm your raven, Charles. Today, we are going to put on our tinfoil hats and explore (laughs) a couple of uh, conspiracy theories. Yeah, and this one's going to get a little weird. So I hope you're all up for it. And uh, we're definitely going to be wearing our tinfoil hats today for sure. So before the podcast started, we went ahead and flipped the coin. I got the uh, opportunity, I guess, to to go first, unfortunately. Absolute, absolutely <laughs> opportunity. <laughs> Do you know so, how bad I wanted to go first? Yeah, um. I'm sure. <laughs> All right. So my first one is a conspiracy theory that just so happens to be true. Uh, it 100% proven. It is 100% fact. And that is Operation Northwoods. This was a U.S. military plan designed to provoke war with Cuba in the early 1960s. I'm going to be pulling a lot of information from an article from ABC News written by David Roop because he does a nice, good, he does a pretty good job of consolidating a lot of the information. But I'm also going to be pulling directly from the written words of the Joint Chiefs of Staff from the nationalarchives.gov. So this is stemming from official unclassified documentation. I'm going to uh, post the link to that um, archive page in our Discord. So if you do feel like thumbing through 181 pages of military speak, you can do so. Um, Yeah. Uh, I was in the military for 12 years, so I can kind of, and I still work for them, so I can kind of parse through that pretty easily. Uh, so it, if you don't have that background, it's, it's pretty dry, and I highly recommend uh, checking out the story on ABC News or uh, checking it out on some other some other uh, uh, agencies have reported on it as well. But to get into the meat of it, all right, this was codenamed Operation Northwoods. The plan included possible assassination of Cuban immigrants seeking sinking rather the boats of Cuban refugees in the middle of the ocean, hijacking our own planes, blowing up a U.S. ship and even dressing up as Cuban militants on American streets and committing violent acts of terrorism within our own cities, killing our own civilian population brother this isn't gonna get us torn down off the internet is it no this is this is all public <laughs> i'm not that's why i said this one is is 100 true and i posted my sources on the discord um 
this is a hundred percent. This is just a hundred percent true. It's it's wild. So this whole thing was developed um, with Operation Mongoose, which was like this big military operation they had planned for, like if the Cuban people started to revolt against their communist leadership, whether that was spurred on by U.S. propaganda or not, which is their way of saying we're totally trying to do that. But if they were to get caught, they had contingency operations in place to be like, oh, no, well, we weren't directly assisting in this. We have no business down in Cuba, blah, blah, blah. But in the event that that uh, took hold and the Cuban people wanted to get rid of Fidel Castro, they had the military is the CIA is going to be working with those groups to try to unseat him through political means. Uh, If that doesn't work, they're going to roll straight into a military coup, provided that they have two thirds majority with the uh, surrounding nations to make it more of a no that's what cuba and the surrounding area wants we're just helping um and part of our help was to send three divisions of marine forces down there so basically the whole marine corps would be stomping down on cuba to just help um yeah so the top military brass which included all Four joint chiefs of staff. They all signed it. Uh, They wanted to cause U.S. military casualties, writing, and I quote, we could blow up a U.S. ship in Guantanamo Bay and blame Cuba. The casualty lists in the U.S. newspapers would cause a helpful wave of national indignation, end quote. Details of these plans are described in uh, body of secrets written by Doubleday, uh, or from Doubleday Publishing, I guess. It's a new book. The investigative reporter James Bamford about the largest spy agency, the NSA, blah, blah, blah. Uh, these were written and presented to President Kennedy's defense secretary, secretary Robert McNamara, in, uh, or McNamara, in March of 1962. They were rejected by President Kennedy and the other civilian leadership, they kept it under wraps for over 40 years. And according to Bamford and his sources, they, this was due to the fact that, and I quote, these were the joint chiefs of staff and their documents. The reason these were held secret for so long is that the joint chiefs never wanted to give these up because they were so embarrassing. The whole point of a democracy is to have our leaders that respond to the public will. And here is the complete reverse. The military trying to trick the American people into a war that they want, but nobody else wants. End quote. So some of these, uh, these are called some of the most corrupt plans ever created by the U.S. government. Uh, They even get this. This one I didn't even know. Uh, And I've been looking at Operation Northwoods for a long time. The Joint Chiefs even proposed using the potential potential death of astronaut John Glenn during the first attempt to put an American into orbit as false pretext for a war with Cuba. They decided that if the rocket were to explode, the objective would be to, quote, provide irrevocable proof, irrevocable, however you say that word, irrevocable proof 
that the fault lies of the communists at all Cuba. End quote. So whether if we were successful, hey, we beat the Russians. If we were if we failed, the Cubans blew up our rocket. Uh, even though that wasn't true. The uh what's interesting as well is the CIA backed what was called the Bay of Pigs invasion by Cuban exiles into Cuba, which was a complete and utter failure. And the military and the CIA felt that it was because we weren't allowed to add our military strength to it. And had we done so, it would have been more successful, but, and there was some controversy around that decision and a lot of blame placed at the feet of John F. Kennedy. And the many CIA operatives, CIA brass, and the military brass felt that it was the specifically the fault of John F. Kennedy that the Bay of Pigs failed. Then after that, we see Operation Northwoods, which again is turned down by John F. Kennedy. Shortly after that, He's assassinated. I'm not saying they're connected. I'm saying it's weird. I'm saying I'm gonna say that's pretty connected. There's even like JFK right up in the front of the, these pages here that you're you sent on. Yeah. Um. McNamara McNamara was pitched by Army General Lehman L. Lemnitzer, who had the signed plans in hand. Handed them to McNamara on March 13th, 1962, stating that they wanted Operation Northwoods to be a military-only operation. Uh, it says the, the plans were rejected. It's not clear if it was McNamara or if it was President Kennedy, but we do know that three days after that meeting, President Kennedy told the general directly there was no possibility of ever using overt force to take over Cuba. Um, and within months that general would be denied another term as chairman and transferred to another job. So maybe another potential motive there. Let me, let me just say that this, this Lyman Lemnitzer looks exactly how you would expect a state, a United States army general to look. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, let's see. The Senate foreign relations committee at the same time was publishing its own report that right wing extremism in the military was uh, with the warning that it was a considerable danger and that quote, education and propaganda activities of military personnel had been uncovered End quote. Uh, they were trying to examine if there were any ties between Lemnitzer and these right wing groups and Congress at the time of these hearings didn't even know about Northwoods. So it's pretty damning that even Congress had felt that this guy was a liability without even knowing about this plan. Um, Well, that's what it usually is though, right? Like, yeah, even though even their own, our own Congress doesn't know about the, the secrets and shit like that. Oh, for sure. And, And that's a consistent thread, but my point is more like they didn't know about it, which isn't entirely shocking. Like you said, mm-hmm. but even without knowing it, they knew the guy was fucking nuts. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
I, I was jumping the gun before you finish this on son. <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, one idea that they had to spark this war, right, was to pay someone in Castro's own government to attack our own forces at our Guantanamo naval base, which essentially would have just realistically been treason. Uh, another was to fly two low-level U-2 flights over Cuba with the intention of basically forcing them to shoot one down so we could go, oh, oh they they attacked us. Um, I, the documents never come to light in part because of the 1992 Oliver Stone film JFK, which examined the possibility of a conspiracy behind the assassination of JFK. So because of that, they didn't partly because of that in 1992, the joint, the CIA and everybody didn't want to release these documents because they thought that if they did, people might think might start believing the conspiracy that they tried to have the president assassinated, which me thinks the lady doth protest too much. And <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it, we weren't thinking it until you said it. <laughs> right. You know, um, after public interest swelled after that movie, Congress passed a law designed to increase public access to government records related to it. Uh, and even after that, it took a considerable amount of time for Operation Northwards to come out. And if you do plan on reading it, there is so much redacted still. Like page 63, 64, and 65 are virtually all black. Just scrubbed right out. Oh, well, what's the fucking point? Because uh, apparently those, those portions are still a threat to national security. Uh, 84 through 86 is the same thing. But one thing I wanted to point out, and I don't want to say what conspiracy it's tied to um, due to proximity. Uh, that's all I'll say on that. But one of the stranger parts was the idea that, because remember, we don't learn about technology until well after the fact, right? It, that's well documented. And it's for national security as well as other reasons. And sometimes that is a legitimate concern. Um, however, the idea to take our own aircraft, convert them into unmanned aerial vehicles, disguise them as civilian aircraft, claim, one plan was to claim that we had Soldier, we had uh, civilians on the on board. The second idea was to legitimately put our soccer team, our national soccer team, on the plane, fly it unmanned because you know limitation of casualties, quote unquote, into uh, Cuban airspace, detonate a bomb that was already rigged on the plane over Cuban airspace to claim that they shot down and killed our own civilians. Did I miss something? Why the soccer team? Because the whole premise of it, right? Because it's, um, the belief was that soccer was popular enough in Cuba and in a lot of Latin countries that may oh. have sympathy for Cuba. Okay. To 
basically go, Hey, let's have, let's try and, you know, squash the beef publicity stunt. You know, we'll send our soccer team to Cuba. You guys have a pickup game show that we can get along. And, you know, while that's going on, Castro talks to the president kind of thing. Gotcha. But in route, they would kill our own soccer team to try and pin it on Cuba. And again, as it was mentioned in the article about committing terrorism on our own streets, the plan was to dress CIA and mil- operatives and military operatives in the garb of Castro's Cuban military or um, Cuban uh, rebellion forces, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. uh, guerrilla forces, to dress up like that, spout uh, Cuban propaganda, pro Castro propaganda, and murder our own civilians in the street. Well, so again, I don't want to say what conspiracy it might be tied to, but it is very scary in my opinion. And this is just my opinion. It is very terrifying to me that all of our joint chiefs of staff signed this. And if it was not for McNamara and John F. Kennedy, they would have done this. They would have done this. They would have taken a plane that was controlled by remote and blown it up with civilians on board to kickstart a war that they wanted and we didn't. So like right, right out, right out the gate here. I'm going to just say, say it because like, um, they, they, they all go into like office, right. So saying like, the few for the many sort of the sort of deal. So mm-hmm. they see, you know, I mean, technically going to war isn't really saving many, but you know, doing the whole sacrificing a few of our people just so we can save all of our other people. That's the kind of mindset, man. I mean, we see shit like in movies and all, all the fictional stuff, obviously it's all fictional, but where they're like, no one man left behind and everything, but it's like, what, how much, how much truth is there to that? You know? Mm -hmm. And when you, you sit there bringing all this out, it's like, obviously there's really no truth to it because you're willing so far, so willing to like lie to the public and like sacrifice a handful of people to gain your own means. Mm hmm. And here's uh, the actual verbiage, right? Uh, It's called Annex to Appendix to Enclosure A, Pretext to Justify U.S. Military Intervention in Cuba, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Paragraph 2. A series of well-coordinated incidents will be planned to take place in and around Guantanamo to give genuine appearance of being done by hostile Cuban forces. Subparagraph A, incidents to establish a credible attack, not in chronological order. Uh, Subparagraph, I'm not sure what that's called. Number one, start, <laughs> start many rumors using clandestine radio. Two, land friendly Cubans in uniform, quote, over the fence to stage attack on base. Hold Cap- on. The whole 
starting rumors through clandestine clandestine radio mm-hmm. would would the number stations fall under that they would indeed yeah uh capture cuban friendly saboteurs inside the base start riots near the base base main gate interesting that they want to start riots hmm could be a connection there to some other stuff all right, we've seen some peaceful protests in the past so many years that have had people like starting shit. Just like a couple of people that go into these peaceful protests and start being more violent, mm-hmm. starting shit, making things look more uh, violent than they actually are. So, not to go off the rails, but you know what was going to happen. We um, always go off the rails, brother. Because you mentioned that, I want to mention this. I analyzed, and I'm not saying this, this is not an attempt to like, quote unquote humble brag or whatever. Wait, say that word again. Humble brag? No. Oh. Say analyzed again. Analyzed? <laughs> Is that what you were going for? Yeah. Um, yep. So but I was I was analyzing the uh current geopolitical events at the time. And there is I just had this feeling. I was like something is going to happen because we're getting too too much of America and the geopolitical spectrum is pushing anti-establishment. It's it's we're getting all on one side and it's not pro-government. We were voting for change, we were pushing for change, we were saying enough is enough. And you a lot of times we see a hey, the for case in point, the uh black as they put it the black hispanic and uh hippie communities are against the vietnam war right so what do we what do the three according to the powers that be this is not my opinion their opinion was that something that tied them all together was marijuana that all three communities use marijuana that was their idea so they started the war on drugs specifically targeting those three groups to change public opinion of those three groups to make them the others so that they could in turn t- make it, make the uh, assumption or create the idea that being anti-establishment was to be a hippie or was to be in league with these other subcultures that they wanted to demonize. And you didn't want to be a part of those groups. So now you're going to toe the line with America, right? So, and that's been done over and over again and not just in America. So I was looking at that stuff and I was like, something, it feels like something's coming to try to push everybody back into uh, one team, one fight. Cause regardless of the feelings, um, anytime we have a national horrific event like Pearl Harbor, it unifies the country. Right. Mm-hmm. So, It was just, I had a feeling that there was going to be this unifying event and it was going to be coming soon. Not even a week from the moment I said that in a room full of people and I was scoffed at, the Boston bombing happens. Not even a week. But to your point of saboteurs, the news itself on every station that I, we were clicking through to get as much information at the time as we could Every news station was reporting there were men in uh, black attire 
and tactical attire, wearing Punisher shirts and Punisher hats with backpacks large enough to hold those uh, pressure cooker bombs. And they were having a hard time identifying which one might have been the Zyarnev brothers and which ones weren't because there were so many of them, which is odd in and of itself. Then you have the fact that there was a uh, Department of Homeland Security and FEMA exercise taking place at the Boston bombing or at the Boston Marathon specifically for somebody trying to bomb the Boston Marathon using improved devices to the point that they told the runners and they told attendants, if you hear an explosion, don't be alarmed. It's the test. And when the bombs actually went off, several runners continued to run into the kill zone because they thought it was the test. So we see time and time again, like you said, we see these provocateurs in protests, but we also see these provocateurs in, uh, in DHS and FEMA testing areas where they're like, oh, we're just going to run a drill simultaneously with the civilian event. And it just so happens to have the same thing we're training for happen. Uh, so like, again, it's, it's going wild. down to, it's like the sacrifice of one as yeah, the, opposed to like, even, but in this case, it's uh, the sacrifice of like a few to put everyone else back in line because to what you're saying, like even today, look at all the tragedies that keep happening. Yeah. All the stuff that keeps getting reported on the news and everything, trying to bring people together, so to speak, like you said, um, because yeah. of how departed things are between like actual group gatherings and stuff like that yeah. and how separated people are. They're trying to do that shit. And then what, what we see on the news is that and then it goes over to what's going on in the world, like, yeah. like pol politically and economically and everything like that. And, you know, I'm trying to not talk about a certain thing and it's, it's tough because it ties in very heavily, but we see it with, we have a president that no one likes. Everybody thinks is not doing a good job by way of polling. Right. And by everybody, I mean like they're sub 50. So over 50% of the, the population doesn't like the president. Mm -hmm. We'll have a situation like that they'll be called incompetent. And the one I'm thinking of was being called incompetent by Fox news and CNN, which tells you a lot. Um, then a unifying event happens and they're the greatest yeah. president in the world. Yeah. It, it tells you a lot that Fox and ABC and CBS were getting paid a certain amount of money from somebody else. That's what it tells you. But yes, I'm not going to disagree, <laughs> but generally speaking, if the, if you can tell, by looking at the newscasters that they at least are putting on a good enough show or that they may actually believe what they're saying. And they're like, Oh yeah, this guy's terrible. And then you go over to CNN and they're like, yeah, we actually agree with Tucker Carlson on this one. And you're like, did I step into an alternate dimension? Like what the fuck is this? Yeah, that's um, true. But to get back on track, I just wanted to blow up that point you were talking about of uh, provocateurs, right? And we're seeing that in Operation Northwoods. And again, I'm reading this right from the document. So it's it's not me just making shit up. Like, this is in their own document that they were going to prov provoke all this stuff. And, so, and... Go ahead. so, like, 
with with all what you're you're saying so far, which you've only you've only been you know talking about it for what like the last probably seventeen minutes. Twenty minutes, yeah, yeah. So, like speaking about all of this stuff, this already tells me that if you're not paying enough attention, which a lot of people aren't, because they're just going to be like, okay, well they released some documents and showed us what they did. Now they're clear, they're clean. But if you really look at it. They're just they're showing their cards. They're showing what they they have done, what they mm-hmm. will do, and what they can do. And to to paperclip onto your idea here, the other dangerous part of this is not only are they showing us this stuff, but look at how it's being shown, right? So this comes out in this is created in the 60s. We don't even learn about it. Until the 2000, like late 2000s, uh, almost the 2010s, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't learn about it for like 40, almost 50 years, depending on, you know, which part we're looking at here. And not only that, they release it on archives.gov. How many Americans go to .gov sites? Right. On a daily basis for information. They don't say, hey, we released a dump. And when they do, because occasionally they'll be like, oh, there was another JFK dump today. Anyway, back to sports. Um, most, I would I would argue that most Americans are just like, okay, they did another FOA dump. Who gives a shit? And yeah. they're not actually going and looking at these documents. So, well, so- they, the way they're releasing them, they know you're not going to read them. So they feel safe. Right. Not only that, they still redact half the freaking pages. So if you think for a second that the government of 1960 is 100% different than the government we have today, I encourage you to go into the archives, look up who was sitting in Congress in 1962, and look at who's in Congress today. You're going to see a lot of the same people. Yeah, I was going to say rethink on how you're thinking about that. Because Not you, but the you yeah, know, the listener, the universal you, right? Right. Um, right. And it, it, like, somebody was uh, pointing out the other day, um, Joe Biden, right? Not saying that he feels this way, just from his perspective of his age, right? When African Americans in this country, when they walked into a white neighborhood, were still being. Th- stoned and forcibly removed from that area just for riding their bike into that street. That time period in America, Joe Biden was 34. He was 34. Dude, those towns still exist. Yeah, absolutely. But my point is that during the, the, the time period rate, like that's before the big civil rights push, right? Mm-hmm. He's 34. That means when he was growing up, he had white only fountains. He had white only diners. He had white only laundry stores. He had white only theaters. And he's not alone. Most of Congress is in that f- same age range. And that's not to be ageist. That's to say they grew up with racism being okay for 34 plus years of their life. That doesn't go away overnight. 
A lot right. of them are probably good. I would say, you know, they're, they're probably evolved in their, the way that from the way they were raised a lot of, you know, I'll say many of them are not what they were when they were kids are not what they were when they were teenagers. We are all capable of growing, but with white supremacy being the number one risk of this country right now, it's not a stretch to be like, well, maybe we should take a look at the people that are in office that were, remember the quote unquote good old days where they practically owned people when they were 18. It's not a stretch by any means. Yeah, you're right. You know, and I want to get back on track, but I mean, that part just, somebody pointed that out to me and I was like, he was 34 when we were before desegregation. Like, and he, again, I'm not targeting Biden specifically. I'm just using him as an example. There, there's there's a lot of things like that. Just like, I'm going to like, hold on. Uh, there's, so you know how uh, Native Americans were put into boarding schools and everything. The last one was shut yeah. down, like, I think in the 70s. You think about that, like the, like Native Americans actually gained rights, like in the 70s, mm-hmm. or something like that. It's, it's something like that, just insane. So, I mean, th- the amount of like progress that people think we're making, some people are, yeah. I mean, it just feels like they're completely blind to like the real, the reality of things because yeah. there's not all these th- different things that happen. Like, you look back, you look at women's suffrage, you look at, you know, the slavery, the segregation, it, the amount of it isn't that far back. No. I mean, uh, what was, uh, I might have their name wrong. I apologize video, but Ruby Ridge or Ruby Ridges. She is like just old enough to be a grandmother. And she was the African American, uh, female student that was stoned trying to get into class when segregation was first being removed. She was, had rocks and shit thrown at her just trying to go to school. She's just barely old enough to be a grandmother today. That's insane. So it's not even one full lifetime ago. And going back to the Biden example, he's what he's turning 80 in office right now. So he was 34. That was only 36 years ago. Give or take. Yeah. And 40 years ago, somewhere. Tagging onto that, my grandmother was one of the ones that was in one of those boarding schools. Can you imagine that? And <laughs> uh, a Native American uh, creator on TikTok mentioned it. He's like, I know when somebody passes away, we have this mindset of everything that they did bad, we don't talk about. Um, but the the queen's death brings that up a lot because she had a direct hand mm. in a lot of those places in Canada. Yeah. Yep. You know, and that's a raw subject for a lot of people because like you said, you know, there are people alive today that survived those places and we're still finding bodies. Like many large Indian boarding schools closed in the 1980s and early 1990s. I'm sorry. I kind of switched the subject a little bit there, but it was, it was along the same lines of thinking, uh, 
with the with Biden being there during segregation and everything. Yeah, it's the amount of time that has gone by. I'm I'm 39 years old, man. I was I was a kid when those schools were closing down. It's so yeah. insane. Man. I was 11 years old at the time frame you just said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and to tie what we're talking about now back into the subject matter, I, I don't want to, I'm not trying to lessen the you know importance of what you're saying at all. And I really think we should just make that its own episode, honestly. Um, but the if you think their mentality is different from then to now, those schools closed, what'd you say, in the 1990s, right? The 80s, they closed between the 80s and 90s, yeah. 80s and 90s. So those just closed in the 80s and 90s. It's 2022, okay? So not even, I'm 34 now, so what? 20, not even 23 years ago? Yeah. They were, do- they were doing horrific things to children in schools, for Christ's sake. Yep, the ab- amount of abuse that was going on in those schools, man. And then you look at the data. This is not just me saying it. There is data points to prove this. One of the largest areas for missing and exploited children is Washington, D.C. 24 years ago, our nation, our nation's uh, elected officials, peers in Canada were still having these schools. We, I believe we still had a couple kicking around somewhere, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure there are, yeah. You know, but like missing and exploited children, how do more of those kids go missing in our nation's capital? That doesn't make any sense. So not making any accusations, I'm just saying the data point is there. And if you think they're different then than they are now, realize the same people are in power. The same exact people that were there in the 80s and 90s are in office. The same people that were th- in office now were there when this kind of thing in 1962 with Operation Northwoods was the thing to do. And I want to read just a couple more pieces from this uh, page. This is page 139 of 181. I know I kind of touched on it earlier, but I want to read their ver- direct verbiage from the paper. All right. Mm-hmm. Sink ship. This is line 11 on that page. Sink ship near harbor entrance. And this is the part I wanted to read. Conduct funerals for mock victims. So they were going to have fake people having fake funerals to convince us that Cuba was bad. Think about that. For all of the crap, sometimes well-warranted, I'm not subscribing to every one of them, of the whole, well, we think they might be having crisis actors. Nine times out of ten, we all say that that's BS, right? It's right here. It's right here in an official document. We're going to use fake victims. Right, yep. So just remember, it might only be 10% of the time but they do. That is a thing they do. Um, the other one was, um, we would respond by executing a f- offensive offensive operations to secure water and power, destroying artillery and mortar emplacements to threaten the base. 
We would conduct large-scale military operations as response. And this is another one I wanted to get to. Paragraph three, a, quote, remember the main, end quote, incident could be arranged in several forms. We could blow up a U.S. ship in Guantanamo Bay and blame Cuba. We could blow up a drone unmanned vessel anywhere in Cuban waters. We could arrange to cause such incident in the vicinity of Havana or Santiago as a spectacular result of Cuban attack from the air or sea or both. The presence of Cuban planes or ships merely investigating the intent of the vessel could be fairly compelling evidence that the ship was taken under attack. The nearness to Havana or Santiago would add credibility, especially to those people that might have heard the blast or seen the fire. The U.S. could follow up with an air-sea rescue operation covered by U.S. fighters, fighters excuse me, to, quote, evacuate remaining members of the non-existent crew casualty lists in U S newspapers would cause a helpful wave of national indignation. We could develop a communist terror campaign in the Miami area in other Florida cities and even Washington. So So, sorry, (laughs) go ahead. (laughs) So what I wanted to say there is, but let's just, let's just say what they're saying. Let's say the quiet part out loud here. What they're saying right there is not only do we have this planned out, we already have the slogan planned out. We already have what we want Americans to feel about this planned out. We already have the names, the fake names we're going to give the news media. And we're going to drum up tears. We're going to drum up feelings and we're going to get support to go to war on false pretenses. Now tell me that doesn't sound like some things that have happened very recently. I'm going to say on that like every year. So like there's something like, I, I don't, I don't think like there's some, there's some conspiracy theories that we can sit there and like laugh at and kind oh, of poke, yeah. poke fun at obviously. Um, flat earth, but you know, the frogs gay. (laughs) Um, but like when you, when you get this, these are official documents that were released, Mm -hmm. you know, to the public granted, there are parts of it that are completely redacted, um, which makes you worry because what else are they still continuing? Mm. Because those are, those are covering up things that could still be, you know, uh, some damaging to, you know, national security. So, what are they still covering up? What are they covering up that could still be going on right now is what I, what those make me think. But point of what I'm trying to say is like, mm-hmm. these are secu- these are official documents that were released out to the public and everything, but they're this. And this goes along with what I was saying earlier when it comes to like, they're showing their cards. Yeah. Um, it makes you go back through like all of the national things that have happened throughout, like even mostly just our lifetimes. Cause you know, yeah. when we, when we really cut, when it really comes down to us humans pay attention to the things that have happened specifically in our lifetimes. Sure. Um, so it makes you think back through your life and you think what all was actually controlled by our own government when it mm. comes to like any of our threats that have happened, any mm-hmm. terrorist threats, any like big event that has happened, you know, how much of it was a hoax. And when it comes down to it, let's, uh, 
uh, I'm not going to be specific about it, but school shootings. There's been multiple that were called out as hoaxes. They're like the fake funerals, exactly just like this was said. Um, and it's it's so frightening to think about something like that, where our own government is completely in, like, even when we're thinking we're not being mm-hmm. manipulated, we're still being manipulated to some degree, especially when they yeah. have so much control over propaganda and mm. uh, the news news the news is propaganda yeah. yeah well i mean that that's what i'm saying though is we can't trust any of those news because they all report the same story and, and with the school shooting things i would want to be absolutely abundantly clear we are not saying that every single school shooting is a hoax oh, we're not you. saying that yeah. those children did not die no not saying no. that they're they're um, just claims that's all that is just claims and it's, right we're just using it as an example to illustrate a point Yes, um, thank you. No, no problem. I just want to make sure it's absolutely clear there. And but given what we just read, right? Hypothetically speaking, hypothetically speaking, if they inflated the list with one or two fake names, who would know? Right. Who would catch it? Like Yeah, when it comes to that, especially because it's a child. Who's gonna yeah, question or somebody's in, child? In, in the event of like a bomb blowing up in the middle of the street, you, you, if you didn't get the numbers you wanted, you can inflate them. And that's in this document that they were going to do that. And one last thing, and then we'll move on to another, uh, to yours, the terror campaign. This is on page 140. The terror campaign could be pointed at Cuban refugees seeking Haven in the United States. We could sink a boatload of Cubans en route to Florida, real or simulated in parentheses. So again, let's say the quiet part out loud. We could sink a boatload of Cubans en route to Florida. It doesn't matter if we kill real people or not. Right. We could foster attempts on lives of Cuban refugees within the United States. I'm going to read that again. We could foster attempts on lives of Cuban refugees in the United States, even to the extent of wounding in instances to be widely publicized. That's saying we would encourage our civilians to attack Cuban refugees. Exploding a few plastic bombs in carefully chosen spots, the arrest of Cuban agents, and then the release of prepared documents that would substantiate, prepared meaning fake people, documents substantiating Cuban involvement also would be helpful in projecting the idea of irresponsible, of an irresponsible government. Here's a little thought exercise for everybody. Remember what I just said. Replace Cuban with Middle Eastern. Replace Cuban with um, Russian. Replace Cuban with Asian. And or then, any of our minorities that we have in this country in the first right. place. But I'm I'm using those specific examples because we've seen right World War II. We're at war with the Japanese. We had a campaign against our own Japanese American citizens and locked them in in, in uh, internment camps, which is a nice way of saying concentration camps. Right. Um, we, I'm not saying anything about the event itself, but after a certain event in America, Middle Eastern Americans were unfairly targeted. We had, uh, after Corona comes out and someone wants to call it the Chinese virus, people will start targeting 
Chinese people or Chinese Americans, right? BLM becomes a movement. We have even more targeting of, of African Americans in the country. Not saying any of those are this, but it's written right here on page 140 that they would specifically target those communities within our own borders and encourage the public to attempt to hurt or kill those people, our own citizens. Yeah, again, show, showing their cards. They're showing what they will and are able to do. Yeah, but I just wanted to read those two pages quick because they do illustrate that point of like, they're literally telling you, <laughs> we will kill you, uh, our own people. We will f- kill fake people that never even existed. <laughs> we'll pretend to kill people. Uh, we'll kill refugees, we'll kill innocent people in another country, or we'll fake doing it. It doesn't really matter to us because they're not Americans. Uh, But we'll do all of that just to send your sons and daughters to go fight a war you didn't know about or wanted for our own gain. Yeah, it, like that's crazy. And that's not like I said, this is one of those. It's, it's a conspiracy theory. Yes, it's a it's not a theory. Rather, it's a conspiracy because people plotted. That's what a conspiracy is. One or more people getting together and planning to do some heinous shit without anybody finding out. That's what a conspiracy is. And and these are people that are supposed to be out there protecting and watching, like yeah. trying to decide the best for our for us, for our country, for this nation and everything. These are people doing this shit, man. These people we're we're supposed to be able to inherently trust. Right. And don't forget that they're supposed to be working for us. We're not working for them. Yeah. Yep. So that's I, I know I went off on some tangents. We kind of went off on the side a little bit, but that is Operation Northwoods in as concise as my scatterbrain will allow me to do. I I I absolutely hate reading this. Just yeah. not not because of the dryness, but because it like when it comes to like I don't know, I don't know how to say it. Growing up being Native American and I've seen all this stuff like happen ar- around me mm. in a racist city, a, ta- yeah. a city that had probably half to majority native Americans in it um, have racists in it and being mistreated and everything like that and seeing stuff like this. It's like, I, and I didn't pay attention to like all the, all the propaganda around me or anything like that, because I was just trying to take care of myself, take care of my younger siblings and stuff like that. Sure. So it's like, I didn't pay attention to any of that. How much of that was like actual targeting on us? Because Native Americans are one of the minorities that are treated like below human. But that's been since like, what, 1622 or whenever the fuck he sailed the ocean blue? Yeah, like, it's, well, it's, it's, never, it's never stopped. And I don't think a lot of people see that. I think, well, uh, for an example, since... Sorry for I'm now I'm going off on tangents, but <laughs> um, being an example, growing up Native American, I grew up in South Dakota and I moved to Indiana probably in, I think I want to say it was 2000. I moved out here and people just straight up mixed me up for Hispanic or Mexican. Um, and I told them I was Native American and there were people 
I'll, I'll give you these few uh, examples as to real things that were said to me after moving out here. Um, one of them was, oh, I thought you were all extinct. I thought Native Americans were all extinct. Serious face. Serious face saying that to me. Um, another one was, uh, do you all still live in teepees? Serious face. Ser- it wasn't like cracking the face. It wasn't like a group of friends sitting there going, oh, ha ha, joke, ha ha ha. It was just a single person walking up to me and asking me this question. Serious face. And I- another one was, uh, do you guys use air conditioners in your teepees? You know, my the- skin tone is about as white as that guy's sheet he probably has at home. And that he uses as a hat, if he didn't catch the reference. Um, <laughs> and just hearing people say that shit makes me want to punch him. And I just want to fucking recognize your amount of self-control because it, it's not even targeting me. And it, it, it just infuri- it makes my blood boil. Just oh. hearing people say that kind of shit. Being younger then, I it was more of a... Uh... The reaction was more of uh, like, "What the fuck? Uh, right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk away now." <laughs> yeah, more shock. Like, did he seriously just say that shit? Yeah, because yeah. I, you know. But then also, I moved when I, after I moved out here, I started noticing history books a lot more. Hmm. Um, back in South Dakota, we had social studies, and we did cover Native American stuff. Um, but as the years have gone by, uh, my years in high school here in uh, Indiana and my kids years in school. My, my daughter is 15 going on 16 next year. And my son is 12 going on 13 next year. So seeing like, I I've looked through their history books every single year, every single year that they've gone to school, I've looked through the history books and native American involvement in history is getting less and less apparently because there's so few interactions um, it's, it's almost gone down to about a paragraph and a half and a mention or two later on in the book. And it is insane to me because during the colonization of the United States, there's a lot of fucking interaction between the two parties. <laughs> so I don't get it. I don't, I don't understand. And it's, uh. It's understandable as to why some people thought the way they did when they saw me, a Native American, coming in coming in through town and being like, Yo, yeah, I'm Native American. And they're like, Whoa, what? What are you? Because they didn't have the understanding or, you know, learning of any of that sort of situation. They didn't have any really understanding of Native Americans because their history books are so vacant of Native Americans. Yeah, and it's bewildering to me that as a country culture society what have you we look at nazi germany and we look at the verbiage used to disparage what we in the in the history book of americans brains when you say who did they target in world war ii uh nazi germany i should say before the the war ended like and started and all that like who did who did they they target they all targeted the jewish people which is true 
they also targeted the Catholics. They also then went after Protestants. They also then went after trades workers. And and I've read that quote uh, from the poem before here on the, the podcast. But we look at that and we go, how did that work? And why did people buy into it? And we find that he, cap- he capitalized on a situation where people were feeling lost, not heard, forgotten, and said capitalize on an economic crisis and had a plan to fix it that in the very, very, very beginning before any of that stuff comes around uh, was effective. He, he Germany, economically speaking, was starting to get back on its feet, right? He then capitalizes on that growth, capitalizes on the fear that the people of Germany have, capitalizes on the geopolitical issues at the time, and then boom, you have this catalyst where they're eating out of the palm of his hand. Once he gets them to that point, he selects a group of people and he demonizes them publicly over and over and over again in repetition on his speeches and then puts out propaganda and then puts up imagery of hate against that group of people over and over and over until the people through repetition and through somebody they trust much like a cult devolve to a sense and envision that particular group of individuals to be subhuman, to be not real human beings. And once you get somebody to believe that this other thing is not a human being, you have increased the likelihood of them being willing to kill that other person by at least 40%. We look at that, we analyze that, we say, oh, that's what happened. But then we never seem to look in the damn mirror and say, oh shit, that's what we did to Native Americans when we came here. Mm-hmm. We never look in the mirror and say, oh shit, that's what we did to, as I stated before, the African American community, the hippie community, and the Hispanic community. That's exactly the same thing we did. We took a geopolitical issue at the time, we took a fear at the time, and we took a uh, uh, economic approach. We bundled it all together and we said, these are the people causing a problem. And then we beat that over our people's heads. We pushed out propaganda against them. We pushed out imagery of hate. And then we said, what? They're not human. With African-Americans, we said they were what? Uh, what was the quote? Like two thirds human. And then uh, Native Americans, we use terms like savages, beasts, animals, uh, I think they even used the term mongrel at one point, not to be offensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but we caricaturize these groups as being less than human so that we can demonize them and, and do a, a absolutely horrific atrocities. And then we look across the pond, see the same thing being done. And we say, Oh, you can't be doing that when we're yep. doing the same fucking thing. And we never look in the mirror. Oh Yeah. And, you know, it's a lot easier to abuse and mistreat those that you don't see as human. And yeah, that's, absolutely. What, you know, and that's how racism works and it, bigotry, it, it, even. It, even as a kid, like, it just, I never, 
I never understood it. You know what I mean? From a personal level, like <laughs> if I'm walking down the street, right. And the only difference between, sorry, I'm walking down the street and I see in this hypothetical situation, every single person on the street looks exactly like me as far as face, hair, skin tone, what have you. Mm-hmm. The only difference is I'm wearing a black shirt. Half the population's wearing a black shirt. The other half is wearing red shirts. And if somebody wearing a black shirt said, can you believe those red shirt, those stupid dogs, those worthless pieces of filth? I mean, like, they're the same as like, we, we all look the fucking same. We're all the same thing. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? But, oh yeah, we're all, we're all animals. But other people seem to hear that and go, I don't yep. get it. I just fundamentally don't get it. I don't understand how you can look at somebody else and go, I have five fingers on this hand. I got 10 fingers all together. I got 10 toes. I got a nose. I got ears. I got a mouth. I got a, eyeballs. Oh, you have all those exact same fucking things. I have the ability. I have a brain that allows me to rationalize, break down things logically, compartmentalize, do all these uh, imaginative things to be artistic. Oh, you had the exact same thing. Oh, you have more melanin in your skin because your ancestors were more exposed to the sun than my ancestors were. Oh, you're less than human. Makes no fucking sense. It does not. Um, Sorry to get off on a, a, a like irritated tangent. I just racism just fundamentally makes no damn sense to me. And it just irritates the shit out of me. It's, 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 it's a part of being different and not, not to like, um, I'm definitely not trying to speak lower about racism because I am a different race and I do see racism and I feel racism and I've experienced it. Um, so I, I know, I know how racism feels when it's against you. Um, but when it comes to difference, I mean, it's, you're seeing it now today too. And this is definitely, this feels like it's definitely like an attack on like more groups of humans when it comes to transgenders today, uh, being a uterus holder. Yeah. You see it going on now still. It's, it is still happening. It might not just include you know race anymore but it is still happening and it's insane to me to see how much people just want to hate and destroy each other and pull each other apart and not be part of a group and not be union uh unionized or any sort of form like that they don't want to be working as a group everybody wants to just see dip not i'm sorry everybody is just a universal universal term i don't actually mean everybody there's so (laughs) many people that want to just see the difference not be able to compromise with each other because you don't compromise yourself for another person you compromise with the person to make things work mm-hmm. nobody there's so many people not willing to do that and there- so it leaves such a big space and it means everybody gets separated and nobody becomes a group yeah absolutely so. it's it's insane to me um, the lack of empathy, right? Like, 
I remember, and I don't know if it's like just not taught anymore, but I, I feel like it should be if it isn't the idea that if you feel a certain way about anything, it doesn't matter what it is. And you are confronted by somebody of a different opinion. Let's say the polar opposite, just for this argument, right? If you s- approach that situation, you go, tell me your side. I will tell you my side so we can understand each other. And while you're listening, you're not listening to respond. You're listening to understand. And part of that process is to empathize with the other side, to put yourself in their shoes, hear their words, and try to imagine what it's like in that situation. And then when you give your side, they do the same thing. And if you listen that way, and if you converse that way, you will end up going, fuck, man, I didn't know that. I I didn't, I didn't realize that. I didn't understand that. And while I may not, I might not, I still might not agree with you, but I can empathize with you. I can understand your point of view. And I can say, look, I don't want a hundred percent agree with you, but I get where you're coming from. Here's where I'm coming from. And if the other person has the same reception that you do, there's tons of ground in the middle. There's, there's so much, so much room to come together in that middle space. And instead, I think what we're falling into today as you know, society at large is this mentality of, I don't need to be right. I don't need to prove what I'm saying is correct. I don't need to empathize with you. My opinion is so central to my personality and to my self-worth that I cannot afford for my opinion to be altered, changed, or mitigated in any way. To the point that people are now saying in this country and around the world, well, I don't agree with your opinion or your lifestyle because it conflicts with my opinion or my lifestyle. Therefore, I don't think you should have rights. Yep. Which is, it's just so dumb. Like, because if you take that to the extreme, right? Well, it's my opinion that only I have a brain and all other humans, what are classified as humans don't actually have brains. They just have repeater chips in their, in their head that spit out nonsense. That is factually inaccurate. It is scientifically inaccurate. It's biologically inaccurate, but that's my opinion. You have to respect it. That's like, like the mentality today, right? Well, no, if your uh, opinion is, completely wrong because it's not based in fact or evidence and you're just wrong. <laughs> like yeah, your opinion, yeah. just cause it's your opinion doesn't mean it's, it's set in stone and irrefutable. Yeah. And when, when we and see, that's another thing too, is like on top of that, we set, spend so much time like trying to like put ourselves out there. And we try, well, some, some people try to do the whole, like, discussing and talking and everything. But then there's, like, on top of that, there 
when we open up to, I don't know how to put it, the wrong people, mm. the people that we don't gel with, they see it as ammunition. They see it as a way to just bring you down even more. And that's that's part of the problem. Like, if you're sitting there seeing, like, any information you receive from somebody as a form of hurting them more, then you're, that's part of the problem. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well put. The whole the whole thing is crazy, but to uh, try to slightly get us back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I You know, I, I got to apologize that time because I kept taking it further and further off no, the rails. But I think it, it, was, it, a, a, it was worth and, and needed to be said. I was going to say, it, it all felt like it all connected to me. Yeah. So... <laughs> I can't fault you for any tangent you take us on. I mean, I'll take us down some fucking rabbit holes. So. Uh, I'm the same way. I think that's why we work. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, we're going to kick it over to uh, our resident crow, Isaiah, here in just a second to start up his uh, conspiracy. Uh, but before we do, we just have one quick word about Anchor FM. Hey everyone, if you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Isaiah and I are going to take just a few seconds to explain how this whole thing works. Anchor has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one simple place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So go download the Anchor app now or go to anchor.fm to get started. And now back to the podcast. Welcome back, everybody. And we're going to jump straight back in with Isaiah's conspiracy theory. Conspiracy, I should say. Yeah, so mine is another big one. Um, not quite to the degree of uh, Charles here, but mine is on the Denver International Airport. And uh, yeah. <laughs> the amount of conspiracies that run around this friggin' airport and the thing, like events that happen, I don't even, I don't even, we don't have time to cover all of them. Um, so just to start off, I'm going to give you a few little, little, uh, factoids about it um mm -hmm. the denver international airport is twice the size of manhattan new york um the airport itself finished construction a year after it was supposed to have in uh let's see february 28th 1995 and it was two billion dollars over budget when it was finally finished and that led a lot of people to think that Due to that, there was an underground structure that was built underneath the airport itself. Um, <laughs> there are claims of the airport um, being a symbol for the New World Order, which was a total world government, or NWO of, you know, WWF. <laughs> so you may... <laughs> 
this is gonna be a little more lighthearted than what we just went. You through. got a ringside seat, you own SmackDown, <laughs> brother. <laughs> oh, that's right. Hulk Hogan was part of that. Yeah. Yeah, but he didn't come. Up, he didn't get into it until later, right? Because he then that was when he like went uh, black and white with like the W NWO colors. Yeah, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> uh, Razor Ramon and Big Sexy Kevin Nash were like the the part of the original. Jesus, I forgot about Razor Ramon, but yeah, Big Big Kevin Nash was in there. Yeah, nobody um, messes with the bad guy. <laughs> Those are the little things. Uh, it was, it was also claimed to be a possible um, headquarters for the Illuminati, and there are a lot of. Uh, oh, you know what? Let me let me share this in the Discord. Again, the disc we have links to the Discord in our Twitter feeds, uh, Twitter uh, accounts on our what you call it? What you call it? Uh, bios. Please do join and look at what we're sharing in the Discord. We share, we share images in our Discord for everything we're talking about. Uh, Charles, if you look at that image I just shared in there, I don't know if you can. Oh, hold on, I didn't hit enter. Sorry. I like I told Charles, I I swear I know how I'm using uh, technology. Technology, I love technology. Oh, why aren't you Why aren't you sending? I don't know. I I I I click the button. No, you you have to hit send. But I, I click the button. You have you have to hit send, Grandma. <laughs> God damn it! Why aren't you sending? <laughs> there we go. I see All right. It. So this is the overhead uh, mm. image of the airport and the runways. Um. And you know, they... I'm I'm just gonna ask a question here. Go for it. Um, is it just me? Or if you kind of look at the pins location and let your eyes kind of just glaze over like one of those old uh, 3D picture things, Mm -hmm. the runways almost form a swastika. That's exactly what I'm doing here. Yep. Oh, my bad. (laughs) Nope. No, you're fine. Um, Yep. That's exactly it. They form a swastika. Let Let me share this other one with you here. If I can get it to work this time again. <laughs> uh, here we go. Right there. Those are the runways right there. The middle of the swastika is the airport itself. And it forms the runways like that. And with the amount of acreage it has, let's see. It's got, uh, I think it was 38,000 acres to play with. I wrote all this down, people, and I don't can't even find my own notes. Oh, there it is. Thirty-four thousand acres to it has thirty-four thousand acres to use that that the airport owns that it could run those runways on. Um, and just as a reference, the JFK and the Heathrow airports both, uh, typically just have rigid straight runways, but this one typic this one has runways that. Actually, like Charles says, forms almost a swastika. And that's 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 insane. And that's that's something that they, they keep going with this too. Like there's murals in inside the airport. There's three main murals. I'm gonna share these here in here in a second here. 
Um, let's see which one do I want to do here first. Where are you? There's three main murals that actually almost suggest Nazis here. All right, so this is the first one here. Yeah, I've seen this one. Where, all right, so this first mural has like this uh, soldier. The soldier with a gas mask has this uh, rifle with a, uh, what do you call that, at the end of your gun? A bayonet. A bayonet, yes, thank you. A bayonet at the end of it, um, dressed in green. He's got the whole like uh, holster strap on it coming from his shoulder down to his uh, waist belt. Has a gun holstered there. He's got a, a scimitar in his hand and under like there's a off to the right there's a city in ruins to the left there's a woman holding a child and a little more to the left there there's a woman holding a dead baby and like going back towards the center and background of the paint the mural there's all these people and children that are dying dead they're in despair and something I also didn't point out was that they also have a scimitar. That's the scimitar that the guy, the soldier is holding is basically killing a dove, which, you know, is obviously used for peace. The, this mural actually connects to another one of their murals. And, and I want to point out too, looking at this, the, from the area of the mother with her kid, there's a fine, like misty line that comes up and over the shoulder of the very Gestapo esque looking uh, soldier that turns into a rainbow that shoots out to the side. Like, yeah, that that's not entirely gonna... sure what the fuck that's supposed to be. You'll see in a second. That's where this, the second mural connects to it. Um, oh, okay. So down to the left of the uh, soldier, you see the the colored, uh, the actual like um, painted in characters, the sleeping children right there that that are sleeping on the bricks right there. You see those guys? Yeah. So that's where that, if you see, that's where that little uh, faded line becomes a rainbow. Mm-hmm. So it's supposed to pertain to their... Uh, their dreams, their their sleeping time. Oh, okay. And it becomes this right here. So the rainbow connects to this, and uh-huh. this is this is. Uh, let's see. There's there's actually titles to these paintings, these murals. Um. So the. Oh, I didn't get the last. I didn't get the name of that mural. I the first mural I I showed. Okay. But the second mural here that I'm I'm showing here is uh, peace. It's called Peace and Harmony, and it shows children with frightened faces. No, 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 that's the wrong one. Sorry, Children of the Dream of Peace. So this second one here that I shared is called Children of the Dream of Peace, and it shows it shows children holding national flags um, while standing over the terrified soldier in the gas mask. So that's supposed to be the same soldier that we saw in the first mural uh, laying crumpled up, uh, Mm. terrified and everything down at the bottom of that mural there. And that's what those children that are in the ruined city that we just looked at 
that are dreaming of is a world with peace and harmony and all that stuff. Everybody getting along all jolly and happy. Yeah. And all of the flags are wrapped around a collection of weaponry. (laughs) Yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so it's like, you know, taking the weapons away from the soldier. Um, I don't know if the soldier is supposed to be dead, but you see his color has been all grayed out out of him. Yeah. And, you know, when it comes to artistically animating things, when color gets drained out of something or, um, well, just color getting drained out of something, it's usually dead or um, no more existent. Yeah. And then the third mural here. It's just which is the uh, the stranger one. Uh, let's yeah, see I'm looking at. <laughs> nope, that's only the second. Oh, you're looking at it already. Yeah, the uh, Windows has this feature now where you can see related content, and it opened up the Flickr page with all these on it. Okay, so the third so the one thing here I didn't know about. Kind of cool. Is a uh, is a depiction of. Let's see, this one is called. This is the first, the one I've started naming, "Peace and Harmony," and it shows children with frightened faces, with extinct plants uh, and vegetation all around them. Uh, huge flames engulf a city in the background, and in the foreground there are three coffins. Right up front there, mm-hmm. which there's a little child in the right coffin, and then there's a person of what looks like native american descent laying in the center one Mm -hmm. and then a african-american one in the left coffin yeah and the native american correct me if i'm wrong and i apologize in advance if i am but it it appears as though there's northern like north uh, native north american and native south american elements like Mm -hmm. they're trying to tie both together yeah well, I mean, they'd, they'd probably be considered the same. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, like, what differentials there there are there, but it's like... Oh, culturally the, there are, but... Yeah, that's what I'm trying to get to. Like, on her... <laughs> it wasn't wording it right. The the le- Her left shoulder, that looks more like as Like, the small thing, doll she's holding almost looks like Aztec. Yeah. But then the other side um, is, like, more like... Uh, the cave paintings I've, I've seen associated with like Hopi. Yep. Yep. I'm not entirely sure if that's Hopi, but it looks very similar to it. I mean, you're not wrong when it comes to, when it comes to the depiction of it. I mean, that's exactly what I see too. So, I mean, um, they're, they're lumping cultures into one, but they're the idea that these, the, it's children and two minorities in these coffins right up front. And the the theory, the conspiracy theory around these are they are uh, predicting something in the future for us, a more desolate future for us. Um, right. Because, I mean, when it comes to it, it's described as creatures that are extinct and stuff like that. I mean, it looks like there's a parakeet, a penguin, there's a turtle, there's a jaguar, there's a bison. Mm-hmm. There's a humpback well. It looks like I, there's a there's a little boy holding a squirrel, and there's yeah, a, and the squirrel is like it almost looks like the squirrel is hugging him back, like right. And there's there's, there's like a rib cage. I think it looks yeah. like rib cage bones off to the right above that coffin on the right side. 
It's like, it's such a weird depiction, especially with the title being Peace and Harmony. And there are three animals that are in like museum cases. Yeah. And I think those are supposed to be the extinct ones, maybe. Yeah. But the ones that aren't extinct look dead. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. So That's I don't bizarre. And then if you look at the the child underneath the parakeet, the one that looks that is uh, flying in the case. Yeah, the Quetzal. It looks like she's holding a map. I don't know if it's a she. It looks like they are holding a map. It does. It does. So it's, it's, I mean, the, I think those are redwood trees behind everybody. Could very well be, yeah. There's a farmland behind them in general before you even get to the flames. There's a city way, way in the back of the the mural, and it's it's such a such a strange piece of work. It really is. Um, and this actually the the uh, the Denver International Airport actually wants to gain more strange art, and they've. They've got some, I think they've got like a, a gargoyle in there somewhere, mm-hmm. encased somewhere in the airport. All these murals are at the center of the airport too. At the center. They're not like scattered around. These, All three of these are in the center of the, the airport itself. I'm going to show you another piece of art too. Um, so weird. I know, right? This is, this one might be nightmare fuel for you here. This is this is a 32 foot horse sculpture that sits outside in the front of the uh, the airport. That is uh, that's what greets people coming to the airport to be passengers on their airplanes. People okay. are okay. People depict it as the as a horse of uh death um it is a 32 foot horse sculpture uh it meets all the passengers as they come into the airport it's uh, its eyes glow red at night what yeah its eyes glow red at night that that's what that's what they say is its eyes glow red at night um and back in 2006 the creator luis jimenez um, died from his own creation uh, when a large large section of the sculpture actually fell on him. He died <laughs> from his creation, and this is his creation. I mean, you look at that thing. Like, what? Who? What kind of horse was this supposed to be? You can see the rib cage of this horse clearly. It's yeah, and it, it looks blue. like it's anatomically correct. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Um, it's got a black mane. It's all blue. Um, it's standing upright on its back legs. So it's like it's kicking up. Um, the eyes are completely like wide open round. And they're supposed to glow red at night. I didn't even try looking up for a picture as to like what it looks like at night. Let's see if I can even find that. That's just bizarre. Oh my god. Oh, there it is. Yeah. That's that's even more nightmare fuel. 
Let me uh, get this set up to go. Oh, wow. And the, the rest of the horse like changes too. I don't know if I found the same one as you, but this is uh, what I found. Yeah, no, that's the same one I got. But if you, I'm going to send you the one I I got because it's a bigger copy of it. Oh, cool, cool. So it's a little easier to see. Um, But the color, the entire color of the horse just comes in different. Like you can see almost like constellationist, almost like stars, like a constellation pattern almost on the on the stomach through the legs. I say, are those just red veins? And that definitely looks like it's anatomically correct. Yeah, it's more. Uh, it's a little easier to see at night, apparently. But yeah, so its eyes are glowing bright. It's like there's light. It looks there's there's probably lights in the eyes, but why red? Yeah. But the. It, Biblically, if I remember correctly, the rider of the apocalypse known as death rides on a pale horse. Right. A blue horse. Right. But that's what everybody that's what everybody was yeah. uh, correlating it to. Just I I assume it's just because of the appearance itself. It's oh yeah, for sure. A, who mm, I mean, people have drawn images like that, but those are people that are more like I don't know. Uh, are they want to sell pieces of art? This this is a sculpture outside of like an airport, meeting passengers. Like it's, yeah, and it's thirty two feet tall, thirty two feet. Man, that thing's huge. And like, why? <laughs> yeah, why? I, I just that's very strange. And there's also um, like gargoyles and shit too, right? Yeah, there's like a gargoyle and so- there's at least one that I saw that's in the airport itself. And I think that's just to be a, a work of art and not for protection like gargoyles are normally known for on top of buildings or castles. Mm. Um, There was a whole situation back in November 17th. This is coming off of all the art, but the art was like, a, it's a big, big thing to me. Um, back in November 17th, uh, 2016, a mystery aircraft was spotted hovering and circling around the airport. At first, no one, not even officials were able to uh, identify it. But later the same day, uh, Navy officials identified the plane as a Navy E-6B Mercury, uh, mm. nicknamed the Tacoma, take charge and move out is what it means, I guess. Um, it was derived from the Boeing 707, and it is said to act as a communications relay and strategic command post with a flight ceiling of 40,000 feet. Um, but there were, there were people saying that a... Uh, E6B was mm. or a yeah E6B was also known as a uh, a death plane or something. It's a uh, carries nukes is what I read. Mm. So that's what that tipped off a lot more conspiracies about what's going on at the airport itself. Why was this? It it was a mysterious aircraft flying in the vicinity of an airport which apparently wasn't making any 
communications with any of the towers. When you're when you're in airspace of an airport, I would assume that you make contact with the towers to communicate air traffic, right? Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. So that pushed people more into thinking that this is either uh, this is a the headquarters the for <laughs> the New World Order, or uh, you know some sort of secret situation going on. And Charles actually brought up the uh, something else that was going on. There's multiple things that were going on with uh, Obama with it uh, also. These, the, I mean, the, the amount of conspiracy, if you just type in the Denver International Airport and conspiracy, you are going to find so, so many things. Yeah, and one thing, if you don't mind me jumping in. No, please uh, do. Please do. Uh, one th- I forgot to mention it before when we were doing, like, intro for each other. To so like, hey, that's what we're doing. Um, let me just pull it up here. Um, trying to think of the way, best way to word this. So supposedly the this Denver airport uh, was built over top of the other one, right? And there are still like entire full buildings buried underground in underneath the tunnels that can interconnect the entire airport. Yeah, so there's a like I said, yeah, there's a lot of, yeah, the trying to figure it out. I mean, yeah, there's a global a, government bunker there, apparently. Yeah, it says here uh, there are miles of underground tunnels and layer upon layer of secret buildings and bunkers underneath the airport, um, which may assist secret societies or just you know government officials more realistically uh, to write out any coming natural disaster apocalypse or uh, attack. Um, Supposedly there's a tunnel that runs from Denver all the way to uh, North American aerospace defense command or NORAD, which is located 100 miles away near Colorado Springs. Now it is interesting to note, as uh, Isaiah mentioned briefly there that, uh, there was a moment during Obama's presidency where they thought something might be going on. So they rushed the president to the airport, which immediately threw off all these uh, conspiracies that they were taking him in this tunnel to get him back to NORAD uh, or all this proves that it's a bunker for the apocalypse. Uh, But it also could have just been, it was the nearest airport. So that's where air force one was parked. (laughs) <laughs> just you know playing devil's advocate mm-hmm. um, but it, it is very strange um that this airport is like they had a working airport like denver had a, a completely fine airport it did what they needed it to do um and then they built this one for for, for some reason. 
and uh, part of the like they built all this stuff and then they built this airport on top of the other like on top of this uh, for whatever reason like parts of it weren't working out or didn't go the way they wanted it to so they just buried it and built this on top of all of that stuff it's like it's just the whole construction effort is just bizarre so and yeah the one part I wanted to touch on, unless you wanted to grab it, is the dedication capstone. Oh, the yeah, I was gonna get there. Okay, go for no, it. No, wait, you talking about the mystery capsule? Uh, yeah, that's one and the same thing. Yeah. Oh, but I don't know. If there's a the there's the caps the capsule. I'll let you do. And then there's also. Uh, the capstone making that whole thing that there's a capstone that has that uh, capsule in it supposedly. And then the capstone also directly mentions a certain group. Okay. Uh, no, let me real quick here. Uh, going off of what you were saying about what was uh, uh, built underneath it and everything or what, mm-hmm. what it was built on top of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there were claims and suggestions that it was behind schedule because they were trying to complete underground labyrinth and tunnels for a new global government to launch uh, should the world succumb to nuclear war or a devastating natural disaster. Um, it was suggested that it holds post-apocalyptic uh, fallout shelters and FEMA concentration camps. But according to New York Mag- Magazine, a whistleblower working on the construction side of the site allegedly revealed the project was delayed after five multi-story buildings were built, but then buried beneath the airport. Ah. So we had an, an apparent, an alleged uh, whistleblower from the construction site as it was being worked on that actually revealed this. Hmm. So, all right, we, we move on now, but yeah, that, so like, multiple five-story buildings that that's bizarre why would you bury them very bizarre as to why i mean if they're going to be optic fallout shelters but concentration camps jesus are they buried or are they in the underground portion of the facility so you know what i mean like the buried here is quotation marked so yeah ears. So, and the uh, dedication capstone on the south entrance is dated March 19th, 1994, right? Sealed beneath that stone is a time capsule containing, quote, messages and memorabilia to the people of Colorado in 2094. It depicts the square and compass symbol of the Freemasons in the names of two Grand Lodges and their Grand Masters. Uh Airport officials say it's only evidence of the generosity of the local Masonic lodges that crafted and laid the stone. After all, that's what stonemasons do. That's the official party line there. Uh, but what's strange is that capstone also makes mention of a group called the New World Airport Commission, but that group doesn't actually exist. So why is it included on this capstone, which is just really bizarre uh but as some people like to point out the framing of that new world airport commission sounds a lot it's like really close to new world order so Mm -hmm. if the new world order 
hypothetically speaking is a thing, then do would that new world have an airport commission? Right? Yeah. Yep. We were talking about the same thing. Yeah. So New World Airport. Yep. It also says the time capsule should not be opened until 2094. Yeah. Which that's a very like, like that's a weird date. Like <laughs> Yeah, so I mean even think about that. Like this if this if this uh airport was built in the 90s, right? Right. In ni- 95 and they they want to open it up in 2094, so almost an entire century. Right. Well, yeah, a year short of a century. What do they have in there? And according to this article, the capsule is supposedly filled with coins, a baseball from Coors Field, a pair of former Denver Mayor Wellington web sneakers, uh, Blackhawk casino tokens, and other memorabilia. I mean, realistically, if it's not going to be open until 2094, you could say whatever you want is in there just to yeah, we're all going to be curiosity. Dead by the time they- <laughs> exactly. It's like what we're not going to see it. We're. I mean, maybe my children's my children are might see it, but not me. <laughs> Yeah, is it the whole thing is just so bizarre. There's cons- there's conspiracies about um them concealing aliens alien structures and aircraft underneath the airport. Um Yeah, I've heard um rumors uh I've never been able to really get clarity one way or the other one because I don't know why it's still a freaking thing but nobody can record an unidentified flying object without it being like the grainiest footage ever seen by mankind. Oh, it's the same um, thing with, uh, with Bigfoot. And yeah. It's like, come on, man. Nessie. Um, we're, we're the year 20, 2022. We don't, we don't have any like cameras that can come more crystal clear. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's like when uh, convenience stores have get, are getting knocked over. They get, you know, they have like some sort of security camera from the freaking late eighties. And it's like, why? Yeah. It's like when I worked at a certain, uh, supermarket chain, uh, as security that we'd call the police and they'd be like, Oh, did you get footage of the suspect? Yeah. Here's uh eight millimeter film. Good luck. <laughs> They're Wait. like, what do you expect us to do with this? I was like, I don't expect you to do Jack with it, but I got to call you. Like, <laughs> I don't have a no, choice here. Don't worry. I took a Polaroid from about 50 feet back. We're good. Yeah. Like y- you want to shake your ass on Instagram. That shit's an eight K. You want right. to re- <laughs> record a UFO that you can see with the naked eye. And for some reason you're used. Oh, let me run to my attic quick and get that eight millimeter fucking crank camera but <laughs> supposedly the denver international airport uh is a magnet for ufo activity but i've yet to see anything that like looked like it could be anything of note because it's all fucking grainy and just ridiculous um but the pictures of the the fucking they have like gargoyles over baggage claim and the gargoyles are sitting in like stone suitcases. It's just, it looks so fucking weird. 
Yeah, like I said, there's so many weird things about the the airport. So here we go. Um, the horse art, the 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 Mustang outside, it's called the Blue Mustang. Um, I hope that's not like a blue waffle. I hope it's not. No, please. <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, who who said this? Uh, oh, it's just a spokesman. Um, also added, some people love the sculpture and some people hate it, but that's what art is supposed to do to create a public dialogue. Mustang has become an iconic part of the airport in Denver over the years. It was commissioned as a permanent public art and installed near the airport entrance along the main access road. Also men- mentions the murals. It says they're a very misunderstood piece of public art. There are actually two murals done by local artist Leo Tanguma, uh, entitled in peace and harmony with nature and the children of the world dream of peace. In the artist's words, the murals portray humanity coming together to heal nature and live in peace. They do speak to the destruction of our environment and the impact that can have on the future of all species, animals, and humans. Hmm. He He continued, the murals also portrays the destruction that greed and racism has had and can have on our population. In short, the intention of these murals is to open people's eyes, and it is the artist's wish for the world to thrive in peace. Uh, One more little tidbit here. The runways are not in the shape of a swastika. Our airfield has a highly efficient layout in both north, south, east, and west configurations, which allow for takeoffs and landings no matter what direction the winds uh, are blowing here. I mean, the runway thing, I kind of don't buy because, I mean... Just glancing at it, you're kind of like, is that a swastika? Mm. <laughs> like, I mean, before I even said anything, you said it. <laughs> yeah, like it's 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 pretty like obviously there. Oh, um, oh, listen to this. We have the ability to add six more runways for a total of twelve. That will dramatically change the aerial view of the airfield. Well, then someday. why haven't you done it? <laughs> he he said he says someday at the end of that. Yeah. Someday. Yeah. We have extensive underground tunnels that are used to transport luggage from aircraft to the terminal. No underground bases, unfortunately. It comes as a man claiming to have been a member of the secret Illuminati. It comes as a man claiming to have been a member of the secret Illuminati said there are huge bunkers underneath the airport in preparation for impending World War III. Right. Now, the mural thing, the the artist statements on those, as bizarre as they appear to be, it's like his the artist description of them kind of makes sense. I mean, it's the artist. I mean, I'm I'm going to take that for what it is. Yeah. Um like but... that that I can at least like be like, mm, it they're well, still weird, but okay, so... like I can kind of see it. Those are pretty explanatory for if you look at the pieces and you think about it. Yeah, because they come in two pieces. There's one where the soldier is upright. He's, you know, all this destruction, the the buildings are in ruins, the, the whole line of people dying or sick or in despair. The children sitting there sleeping mm. in uh, rubble and but and it shows that they're the, dreaming. The obvious like Gestapo, like he's designed to make you envision like to have that reaction it's a gestapo figure right which brings in the racist stuff that he was talking about the racism right and i mean what figure is 
most hated by a lot of people, like like a good portion of population. Yeah. yeah, universally are Nazis. Yeah. So realistically, that that does make sense. And then the dream goes over here where everybody's dancing and everybody's getting along. There's they show multiple different races. Uh, minorities are in there. Uh, Caucasian and there's all nations flags in there. There's American, there's Italian, there's uh, Czechoslovakia, it's, uh, Israel, Britain. Too. Yeah. Israel. Uh, yeah. There's it's all over in there. Um, and it's showing that, you know, that, that evil force is defeated basically at the, right. at the bottom of that there. And so that, yeah, children would dream of that. If they're sleeping in rubble and they're dealing with all that, they would dream about that. That makes sense. But what about this third piece? <laughs> yeah, that one. So I found another little bit where that the one that I said the child was looking like they were looking at a map was described as a Mayan tablet. I, I can kind of see. So, I mean, that puts more conspiracy and more thought into that is why why the Mayan tablet? Yeah. <clears throat> the destruction of the environment the artist spoke about is evident in that piece. With well, the, that with that like the burning of the trees and the that, poisoning of the ocean, I can see that part. See the the artist that was making those statements about his pieces only did the two murals. That had nothing to do with nature. he didn't. They didn't <laughs> do the. They didn't do the third mural. So maybe that's his interpretation of the third mural. So local artist Leo Tanguma entitled in peace and harmony with nature and the children of the world dream of peace. So he didn't do one of those three pieces. So let me interesting. uh, Let me Leo Tanguma. Leo Tanguma. Denver Airport. Which ones did he do? Conspiracy theorists. While he looks that up, I did want to just make an honorable mention. I, I put it, the picture is in our Discord as well. The Coronado U.S. Naval Base in Southern California is also designed to look exactly like a swastika. Uh, the plan uh, groundbreaking was in 1967, and they said, oh, we're going to have two central buildings and a single L-shaped barracks, and then we're going to add on to that in the 70s with four additional L-shaped buildings set at right angles. And no one did the math or the geometry on that. Uh, Supposedly, and we're completely shocked when it looked like a uh, swastika from above. So in 2008, they had to add six hundred thousand dollars to camouflage it with landscaping and rock structures. Oh shit! So the yep. official party line is "whoops," but when you look at it, you're like, I don't see how that's a whoops. That's it's like it is a it is a swastika. What are you talking about? Uh, it's right after the two pictures you posted of a swastika. Oh, the U.S. Navy base? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, there's, there, no, there's, there's no, no question. That. <laughs> yeah, there's absolutely no question. 
No question at all. But they're like, um, oh, we'll put bushes on it. So it looks like a fuzzy (laughs) swastika. We'll put bushes on it. All right. So we, so in peace and harmony with nature is the one that we were talking about. What you, well, the one you were talking about where there was all the, the fire in the background and everything like that with all the animals and stuff. You were right about that. There's another section that I didn't even, all right, hang on. I didn't even get this mural. I didn't know about this one. So that, that makes a total of four now. Uh, let's see. Where are you? That is this one. Yes. Right there. That's that's the other uh, one that Leo Tanguma did. Oh, okay. So this is the one where he's demonstrating nature. Right, I assume. Let's see. Yeah. And that that's the only mural he did that looks normal. <laughs> that that's the second one he did. The other one, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what you said, yeah. Um I don't know, man. That's still like I remember re- when I first the- saw some of these pictures uh mainly the the soldier one like it's just creepy like it gives you a sense of unease and i guess that's kind of what he was going for maybe but i don't know i wouldn't want to go through an airport with that kind of stuff man i I don't know who would that's just the whole thing is just weird especially since they already had an airport that was like it wasn't even over capacity or anything. It was completely fine. It was super functional. So it's like, why did you need this thing? And the size of it. Yeah. The size of it is what like really gets me. Like it, you know, it says it was uh, twice the size of Manhattan, Manhattan, New York. It's twice the size of an actual city. Yeah. Like, w- why do you need an airport that big? Like New York international airport, whatever you call that one. The, I can't remember the name of it, but the one down by the city isn't even that big. And they have way, I would assume way more traffic than Denver, Colorado. Yeah, I would think. Yeah. Like it's the New York city airport. I feel stupid not knowing that one because I live in New York. JFK? Yeah. I don't know. No, you're right. There's JFK, LaGuardia, and Newark Liberty International Airport, but Newark's in uh, New Jersey, I believe. Um, so those are the three major airports, but like those airports aren't bigger than fucking Manhattan. Like, and I mean, I don't have the data set to be like, this is how much, you know. Let's actually let's see JFK airport traffic statistics. Um, in 2019, they handled 62.5 million travelers. Okay, 
Denver International Airport. And we'll do 2019 traffic statistics. They did 69 million. 69 million? Holy shit. They actually did more traffic than New York City. Wow. I would not have well, thought that, but I, I guess Denver is a hopping point though too. Like I do know that there's a lot of layovers and stuff like that through Denver. Yeah. So they may not be going there to be in Denver just hopping through, but even then, like almost seventy million through that airport in in uh, twenty nineteen. That's impressive. I would not have thought so compared to uh you know, New York City airports. Right. Maybe they do need to be that big. <laughs> uh, nah, I don't know. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's bigger than a city, man. Yeah, I mean, city. The, the other way to look at that is uh, JFK did 62 million and they're nowhere near as big. So they did almost the same amount of traffic. The it's just like considering the the amount of land that the airport actually has over there mm-hmm. is insane to me. It's like thirty four thousand acres, thirty four thousand acres. I mean, it's not even using its full acreage. They said it could add six more runways to add right. like have a total of twelve runways. You're telling me that you know. That's that's a lot of fucking ground. That thing because it's not as big. It's not even as big as it, yeah. it could be. Did they say how many acres or square kilometers it was? Yeah, thirty-four thousand. Oh well, how many? Oh, the actual airport itself. Yeah. Uh no, I nothing that I pulled up did. Um. Uh, JFK is fifty-two hundred acres. Fifty-two point four square miles. Two point four square miles. More than one and a half times bigger than the island of Manhattan. What was it? Sorry, one more time. More than one and a half times bigger than the island. No, of the, Manhattan. Squ- the square mileage. Sorry. Fifty-two point four square miles. Yeah. JFK is eight point one. <laughs> so JFK at eight point one. Did Hold almost on. the same amount of traffic as that massive monstrosity. Hold on, that's the actual acreage and everything of it. No, that's what I did, yeah. For JFK, the total acreage oh, of okay. the entire airport is only 8.1. Jesus. And it only has four runways. Let's see, runway 16R34L with a length of 16,000 feet. It's three miles, which is the longest public use runway in North America and the seventh longest in the world. Yeah, it almost makes you feel like (laughs) they were designed for something bigger. The airport itself is 25 miles driving distance from downtown. Oh, never mind. Uh, 25 miles driving distance from downtown Denver, 19 miles further than the northern or from the former Stapleton International Airport. 
Jesus. So it's uh, even more out of the way, too. Yeah, it's pretty far out there. So why would you... Do you have a functional, perfectly fine airport, conveniently located, and then you're like, yeah, we're going to push it farther out, make it even bigger, make it harder to get to, with all this weird shit around it. Like... Den- the Denver International currently has nonstop service to over 215 destinations amongst 25 different airlines throughout North America, Latin America, <laughs> Europe, and Asia. It has the fourth air. It was the fourth airport in the U.S. to exceed 200 destinations. It is a major hub for both United Airlines and Frontier Airlines, and the largest operating base for Southwest Airlines, with over 35,000 employees. And I imagine for Southwest Airlines, they just have like a oversized, gigantic slingshot to get the plane <laughs> off the ground. There, the airport is the largest employer in Colorado. That seems crazy. The airport is located on the western edge of the Great Plains and within sight of the front range of the Rocky Mountains. In 2021, Denver International was the third busiest airport in the world, as well as the third busiest airport in the United States by passenger traffic itself. Huh. It has been among the top 20 busiest airports in the world ever since the year uh, 2000. That's pretty wild stuff, man. Not even just like the conspiracy part of it, just like <clears throat> the raw numbers that they're putting up. Yeah, no, for sure. What do these other gargoyles look like? Because the one I keep coming across has his hands over its ears. Yeah, I think Did... there's uh, supposedly like a, a see no evil, hear no evil kind of thing. That's what I was kind of thinking when I saw that one I saw. Yeah, so there's one that's covering its ears for sure. There's one... That's the only one I keep seeing. No, they all cover their ears. They all cover their ears, huh? Except for one that has its hands crossed under its chin. I don't know. The display of them is weird. You know what they almost remind me of? Um, the statues in the exorcist that mm. are supposedly depicting the the Babylonian demon. Yeah, yeah. Like ugh. Yeah, it does actually. They're a little uh longer, a little taller. For sure. It's almost got like a merman's ears. Yeah. Some of them definitely Fucking bizarre shit. <clears throat> and over your baggage. Like, like yeah. you gotta stand there to get your bags and this thing's just staring. <clears throat> I mean, realistically, that's what uh gargoyles were no are known for. I mean, I think you already know that gargoyles yeah. are known as a form of protection over a piece of land. I don't know if I'd necessarily post gargoyles up around uh a public space. Not everybody's going to be comfortable with gargoyles. I would be okay with having a gargoyle in my home, but that's not everybody. Right.
we have anything else for the Denver Airport? <clears throat> nope, I think we can move on to your next one. Alrighty. My next one is kind of, I have one like my big serious one, and then I figured I'd do kind of a a lesser known one, I think. And mm-hmm. it's still very interesting to me, uh, but it, it's kind of more of a fun one. Um, this is that the conspiracy that says Hitler had a secret gravity USO, UFO and potentially the U.S. stole it. So this is called the Nazi bell, uh, also known as Die Glocke. Uh, the interesting thing to remember about um, Hitler's fascinations uh, is that he was very much into the occult. Uh, he had his people researching all kinds of what we might consider ridiculous, like things for uh, a government to investigate for military purpose. Um, but we all like every major government would ended up like researching similar things to see like, well, is there anything to it? We don't want them to have the upper hand, you know? Uh, but one of the interesting things that he was researching, especially given his level of hate for anyone that wasn't blonde hair, blue eyed, even though he wasn't, um, he was very fascinated with the Mahabhatara, which is one of the holy texts of uh, the in India. I, I don't want to get the religion wrong. Mahabhatara. The Mahabhatara is one of the two great Sanskrit epics of the Hindus. The other being the Ramayana. Sorry if I mispronounced those. Uh, existing its present existing in its present form since 400 AD. It describes the civil war re- waged between the five Pandava brothers and their 100 stepbrothers at Kurukshetra near modern Delhi or Delhi. Not sure how you pronounce that one. Uh, but they had these vessels, right? Called. Oh, I misspelled the word ships. Uh, where is it? Ooh, that's going to be hard for me. Ah, uh, there it is. The Vamana, uh, the Vamana, uh, were in the Vimanika Shastra, Vimanika Shastra. I'm sorry for my pronunciations, but uh, these Vimana were uh, basically supposed to were I don't want to say supposedly were uh, depicted as the like the chariots or the ships or the uh, living embodiments, you know, what, whatever they're the gods or these uh, very powerful beings were in. Right. And some of the depictions get very detailed as to how these things operated. Um, and for some reason, my computer defaults to Yahoo, which does not do a very good job. Uh, 
trying to get a good image and Yahoo images suck. Uh, I misspelled it. God damn it. These uh, Vimana ships construction. There we go. This picture is not too good. So the profile, it's almost like a triangular shape, uh, but the it's like round. But if you were to look at it from a profile, it's it's very much like almost it's it's round, but it's like a triangular. It's kind of hard to describe. That's the Rukma Vimana. And then uh, there's also the Shakuna Vimana, which uh, looks almost like a modern sailing ship or not a sailing ship, like a modern um, cargo vessel. Right. But it has fins on it. Uh, then you have the Sundara Vimana, which is even more angled to look like uh, triangular. And then the Tripura Vimana. Right. But you have electrical and electric power generator on the top uh and then on the what's called that's at the top of the called uh, second floor then you have folding links that connect the second floor to the first floor then you have pinion and tooth segments with tooth tooth toothed wheels jesus at the <laughs> bottom i cannot talk right now hey, did you um, send images i'm gonna in a second yeah. oh okay all right all right but interestingly, for the uh, Rukma Vimanas, right, you have, a, now, again, this is like 200 AD. Bear that in mind, right? You have passenger cabins listed, steering floors listed, uh, a base. At the base, you have electric magnets, and you have a substance which isn't directly identified that I, as near as I can tell. But they're it's uh, in air. They have air pipes and they have this substance that is pulled from the base and the air pipes are pulled, uh, have like um, fans at the top go all the way through the base. The electric magnets have that liquid that gets pulled from the base to the top and back through. Right. And the working theory is that it might have been mercury or something similar to that. Uh, but they have this whole imagery of how these things worked. And again, with magnets and electricity in 200 AD, like that in and of itself is like, what? Like, doesn't make any sense from our current understanding of how things work. Right. Right. But uh, Hitler, this was one of the things that he was obsessed with was how, how, why, what, with these things. Right. And if the ancients could figure this out, you know, his assumption was that, well, then if the ancient people knew how this stuff worked and could get it to work, the, you know, modern German engineering should be able to handle this. And he began, he was obsessed with it, began forcing his, uh, shoots Staffel or SS, military organization to start developing this with Nazi scientists in secret 
in more remote laboratories that hopefully the allies wouldn't know about. Right. Uh, we, and they were from a technical standpoint, their material, the, the Nazi war machine was technically superior. They had better tanks. The Luftwaffe, uh, fighter jets had, they had fighter jets in combat before the allies did, did should say the V series, V series of terror weapons, including the V one cruise missile and the V two ballistic missile. I mean, they were, had guided missile systems in the forties. Like that's insane. Absolutely insane. Right. To the point that when, uh, the Nazis were defeated, we orchestrated what's uh, now known as project paperclip where we took V two missiles and Nazi scientists that were involved in the murdering of Jewish people at concentration camps to be absolved of their sins and come to America to help us get our space program working. One of the main ones was known as Werner von Braun, uh, a very infamous aerospace engineer. Uh, He invented the V2 rocket. And he would later design the Saturn V rocket for NASA's Apollo program. And he also teamed up with Disney to promote uh, pro-American propaganda for our space race. So his mere existence in America is enough of a conspiracy in itself, right? That we would absolve all these nasty Nazis to come work for us. And the train of thought for people that are okay with that is, well, if we didn't do it, the Russians would have, and they would have beat us to the punch. It's like, uh, how about we just try them for war crimes and be done with it? Uh, The rumors of this device, the Nazi bell, also known as the, or was it? De Glocke, uh, start popping up in the supposedly, sci-fi uh 60s book morning of the magicians uh it also shows up in the 2000 book prada o wunderwaffe the truth about the wonder weapon it also shows up in nick cook's the hunt for zero point right he which was taken i was gonna say i'm gonna be honest the images you sent they all look like something from studio ghibli yeah the the, (laughs) Like it, it doesn't seem like something that was readily available to 200 AD people. Right. Right. Um, but not only do they have that imagery in the Mahabhatra is the famous line that actually was quoted, uh, during the Manhattan project by, um, uh, Oppenheimer, right. I am become death destroyer of worlds. And interestingly, there are depictions in that uh, book, as well as the other Sanskrit texts, of these Vimanas engaging in warfare in the sky, attacking one another. There's a story of one crashing to the earth, and the site was uh, debated for a long time. Uh, They did an expedition where they thought it might be, and due to the waters, uh, you know, water recession, right? Uh, water levels changing. They were able to find the, the, the site 
verify that that's the location, all this stuff. They found a large area of rock that had a strange formation that scientifically speaking could only be made by these four multiple types of rocks being melted to molten levels at the same time, merging together and then being rapidly cooled as if an explosion happened there and then, you know, was rapidly cooled to put it out. And that area is radioactive. Which doesn't make any sense because there was no radioactive testing in the area. There was no, you know, nuke testing, nothing. Weird. So we have this account of these fantastical crafts and how they are operated to a very detailed degree, uh, depicted as fighting each other in the sky, one crashing, and the crash site seems to suggest with what little, you know, we don't have a ton of evidence, but what else could have melted these stones to that degree and then rapidly cooled them and left a radioactive signature? Like, that's crazy. So, supposedly... Uh, the Nazis were trying to rebuild these things. Now we do know for a fact that they were experimenting with mercury. That's where we get the uh, term Foo Fighters, right? So Foo Fighters were these giant, we didn't know what they were at the time, but our pilots and the, the pilots from Britain were widely reporting that as they were trying to engage Nazi forces these glowing orbs of light would get near their planes, throw their instruments off and cause them to be either crash or have to, you know, uh, break contact and re-engage to get away from them. And uh, the official story anyway, <laughs> is that, uh, cause we don't know, I wasn't there, you know, we right, can right. only go with what we're being told. Right. Um, but according to these pilots, that's what they saw. Uh, according to the official story, what Nazi Germany was doing was taking balls of mercury and basically shooting them up into the air or uh, dropping them from their own aircraft, which because of how mercury interacts with, you know, that uh, level of air pressure and, you know, it's up in the air and it, it just fucking acts weird and mercury can throw off your instrumentation and all that. We already know that they were absolutely experimenting with mercury. And according to some of these diagrams, they were mercury would be moved around by those magnets at the bottom. And with the air through the tubing, those uh, vertical shafts and through electricity and whatever else was going on here, but somehow the mercury would be moved from the bottom to the top and recycled back through over and over again which supposedly tied in with the magnets and everything else would create a magnetic or other type of field around the object, which would cause it to levitate. Now we also know scientifically speaking that if you create um, a strong enough magnetic field to a certain degree and with a certain level of power, you can levitate objects. We also know that you can levitate objects acoustically if you hit it with the perfect frequency based on the mass and um, mass weight and other factors of the object. Right. So there is some uh, scientific premise there, 
the amount of energy required to move something of this size is not something that we've, you know, would be feasible by today's standards. Um, but if they knew something we don't, right. Or if, uh, as they believe these came from another world that had figured it out, anything's possible. So we know some of what they were doing. Now this bell is up to debate as to what it was for. There are claims that it was for time travel. There are claims that it was a Stargate capable vessel or that it was just a anti-gravity technology, which is more in line with the Mahabhatra from my understanding. I could be mistaken. I apologize if I am. So this bell-shaped UFO, as it comes to be known, could very well have successfully uh, created an anti-gravity field around itself, which as crazy as it sounds, the sightings from our modern day fighter pilots, like the Tic Tac UFO are described as doing the same thing. It creates somehow this anti-gravity field around itself, which allows it to accelerate very quickly because it's not constrained by gravity or air resistance uh, and allows it to change its path on a dime. Because if you're not affected by gravity, you don't have G forces. So you can crank yourself up to 200 miles an hour, make a sharp left-hand turn at a 90 degree angle and not become mush, right? Uh, we can't do that with our current technology because we don't have anti-grav. So that's more of a believable situation. Now, according to some other instances, like the Kecksburg incident, um, as well as, the first one before that is in uh, Germany. A U.S. military personnel identifies strange lights. The the uh, base reports and documentation prove that they were routinely seeing unidentified lights in the forest uh, to the point where they sent expeditions out there to try and determine what it was with full like armed patrols out there to find this thing. Uh, never came up with anything. Then one night, one a couple of the guards witnessed something crash in the forest. They go out and investigate. They claim they saw a bell-shaped craft in the woods. The official reports uh, from the base support that. They did a full investigation. Suppose, according to the these reports, uh, there was radiation. There were radiation levels present which seems to be a recurring theme with these things. Um, there was radioactive levels present. The soldiers on the ground stated that they saw glowing uh, markings on the craft when they touched it. The guy that touched it claims that he saw something in his mind that he couldn't understand, uh, which he wrote down in his journal and ended up being binary that when translated actually did say something. It didn't make sense to them, but it was actual words, which if it was, if you just write down a bunch of random ones and zeros, you're not going to get that. Right. Uh, so it was very strange. Was he versed in binary? Uh, no, because that crash was before 1965. Oh, so wow. they wouldn't have had it. 
That's interesting. Um, then, at for official story, there was no craft. There's just something crashed. They didn't find the wreckage. Blah blah blah. The guy claims they did. They wrapped the bell up, took it back to the base for testing. And the bell-shaped craft disappeared. But in Kecksburg, Pennsylvania, 1965, December, a bell-shaped UFO crashes outside of the town. Going back to World War II, when we're sweeping through Germany, eradicating you know Nazi bases and things like that, there's a official there's an official report that they came across a remote testing center outside that testing center. Let's see if I can find the picture. Nazi structure. Yes. In Poland, and this is from the history channel, is where I'm getting this picture from. Gonna call it Bell Ring. They found this ring-shaped structure that, according to the documents found on the in the nearby facility, is where the Nazi bell was housed. When they were approaching, according to some eyewitness reports, there was a large flash of light. And they saw a craft leaving an unidentified object, leaving the site. And no sign of the Nazi bell was ever found again until the reports from Germany in the, I believe in the black forest, uh, of that crashed bell shaped craft came to light. And then it disappears again and appears in 1965 outside Pennsylvania. So you said Belgium? Uh Germany, Black Black Forest in Germany and then okay, the, yeah. the structure is in uh Poland. And then the but it was found in Pennsylvania. So it goes from Muchalapka, Poland to the Black Forest in Germany to Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's Okay. Can I just say real quick that you, you mentioned like, I don't know if you mentioned it, if I missed you saying it, but sure. um, how Mercury is being used in these, right? Yes. How like in movies now, I know it's fictional movies, but sure. when it comes to like alien spacecraft, like we entail their spacecrafts with mercury either on the outside of it mm. or inside the craft somehow um whether that mercury be like the shielding or the the shell of the the spacecraft it's been liquid it's been hardened um but mercury is used in our our uh portrayal of right. alien spacecraft so thinking on that and then seeing these very old craft buildings being having mercury and magnets being used in it. And as you said, 
having no G forces and all that stuff. These are like describing exactly what we see alien space uh, spacecraft as. And, and if you look at the last Vimana picture I just posted, it's in the. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure what language that is. I don't want to, you know, disparage it by calling it the wrong thing. But uh, if you just look at the imagery, right, the bottom of that tube is where the mercury would be. It goes mm-hmm. up through that chamber into that bulb on the top and gets recycled yeah. back down. But you just look at the engineering aspect of this. There are gears. There are like wheels that spin with pull, like there's pulleys, there's gears. And, and this is in 200 AD. Like this is extremely detailed. Yeah. Um, almost like whatever these things were, wherever they came from, the people that wrote these texts were allowed to see inside of them. And even if these were just things they were trying to do and they never worked, like how'd they come up with this stuff? Like it's, it's insane to think of someone from 200 AD having these ideas. But one thing I wanted to mention is if you look at the picture with the four altogether. Yeah. Except for the Shakuna Vimana, that's the only one that I can't really see it on. If you were to take the other three, or that last one that I sent especially and squish it just a little bit from the top down, which looking at our own industrial efforts, right? Our first model of anything is huge. Mm -hmm. And then the next model gets squished and squished and squished and squished until it's the right size and can perfectly function the way it's supposed to. Right. Right. But if you take one of these, and you squish it just a little bit vertically, you get a flying saucer. Ah, yeah. So is it possible that these were, and this is where it gets kind of conspiratorial and a little bit of woo-woo, but is it possible that these are or were um, some of the first unidentified flying objects, like the first, like gen one UFO could be, you know, and considering that and looking at the, the Rukma Vimana, I don't know how to pronounce it either. Yeah. I'm not sure. um, It makes me think of when we were kids and we had those collapsing cups that go with our thermoses. That's what that makes me think of. And then with you like describing how they would squish down, that's what that uh not much input on what you were saying but that's what i'm sitting there looking at it thinking that's a collapsible cup yeah (laughs) but like i i could see that being like the evolution of it right Mm -hmm. the like and here's a, a picture of what they an artist's rendition of what um they believe the bell Nazi bell could have looked like based or like it's kind of based on uh, it's an artist rendition of based on like what the, the Germans were trying to do around that time frame uh-huh. and like what it may have looked like some of their prototypes. And if you look at these prototypes, um, you can kind of see the evolutionary thought process, right? Um, 
if you look at these images, so you have that last um, one from the Mahabhatra I put on there, the Shakun, Shakuna Vimana. Uh-huh. Look at that one. Then you look at that bottommost um, Nazi prototype I, I put in. And then look at the one above it. And then picture a modern rendition of a uh, UFO, a disc-shaped um, UFO. Yeah. Like yeah. Th- that progression just makes it, it's jumping out at you. Like, yeah, that makes sense that we would do that. Um, like a flying saucer kind of build. It, it's, you see the evolution there. And then the black and white photo I posted is those are the Foo Fighters that are supposedly just balls of mercury. I don't see Dave Grohl. Yeah. <laughs> Which my thing with the Foo Fighters is like I you can't really get a sense of size, but because we don't know how high up in the sky those are. Right. But again, if you take one of those uh prototype images or artist renditions of what these Nazi craft might have looked like, and then imagine we don't even really know, but imagine the distortion a anti-gravity field might generate right some of those foo fighter shapes look like a blurry saucer so like definitely taking that like a step further too um they said you, you know claims of like ufos when they're near knocks out uh power knocks out service and all that stuff signals get Mm-hmm. scattered and all that stuff um and if they've got those magnets on there like that it's i mean that i would think that that would throw things off like that yeah and the last the last mercury. picture i sh- i put in there just to say what it is that is a supposed photograph uh re- a reproduction of a photograph that was originally 4 by 6 um of supposedly what the uh nazi prototype looked like through a, a leaked far off with anything else then yeah leaked stuff there and then i want to just post this one this is an artist rendition of the evolution from the bell type to the saucer type and you can definitely see it's basically just a vimana with a flanged bottom, more like flanged bottom spreading out further. Absolutely. And then being squished. And then the next one is, oh, well, maybe we don't squish the top. We just squish the the sides in. And then the topmost one is a more saucer-like depiction. Absolutely. It's, it's a clear evolution. More condensed. Yeah. So the uh, the part of this conspiracy I wanted to touch on as well, which kind of makes sense with how it jumped around. If we're looking at the, uh, uh, the, the Glocka, the bell, uh, theories, and we're taking everything at face value for funsies here, right? If we take everything, the eyewitness accounts at face value, the theory that it could be, uh, a time travel device kind of fits into the, narrative of the eyewitnesses right they are approaching this site 
The Nazis know they've lost. They're trying to get the hell out of Dodge. It's a prototype. Maybe they they aren't a hundred percent sure it works yet, but what are you gonna do? They're coming. Like you gotta get the hell out. Right. So they are trying to take off, and they're like, Well, shoot for the moon. Let's see if this works. And perhaps their calculations were wrong, or they wanted to be like they meant to jump in the future. Who knows? Um, but they jump into the future when Germany has been piecemealed out to every nation in the world. And we have the, you know, the Berlin wall and all that. And these guys are guarding the black forest. And when they jump back in, obviously the terrain has changed. The area has changed. Maybe there's a difference with how the atmosphere is or ran out of whatever energy source they were using at the time. Right. And they lose control of the craft. It crashes into the forest. We pull it into the base. They go, Hey, yeah, you got us, but we'll show you how this works. If you give us the fuel source, they demonstrate how it works. That's where we start getting the idea for the flying saucer developed they bounce bump again and they end up in Pennsylvania in 1965. That's some, uh, I don't know, man, that that's definitely conspiracy. Yeah. Now <laughs> I, I'm sitting there following you and everything, but it's like, it, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's extraordinary. It's, it's outlandish. That part well, that's of it. what we do here. That's what conspiracy is. Yeah. Yeah. So. But it is, important to note that what we do know, right? What we do know is they were experimenting with this stuff. They had prototype modeling done. They had a prototype built. The uh, circle was erected. There was absolutely something there. Then it wasn't there. Then it appeared an identical description pops up in the black forest. And then an identical description pops up in Pennsylvania. Now, it could very well be that the subsequent sightings, not the initial, the subsequent sightings were us trying to recreate it. Could very well be. Um, But the other parts we do know is that towards the end of World War II, uh, throughout all of World War II, the Germans pride themselves on their encryption. And it takes us a very long time to break German encryption and codes over the radios to finally start defeating the Germans, right? But every single transmission ever sent by any German was encrypted. However, when they report that the Fuhrer is dead, it's in English and broadcasted in the clear. What? Yeah. Now, they did also broadcast it in German, but it's just odd that the only transmission that's not encrypted is announcing the death of their leader and the German forces continued to fight, which begs the question, was that, were they told you're going to hear us say this in the clear, ignore it because it's all part of the plan, right? We also know that the, uh, forces that found quote unquote Hitler's remains were the Russians who we don't trust 
in World War II and still don't trust today, as in the government and the military of Russia, right? They're the ones that find it, and they immediately burn the body. Seems a little weird. Yeah, a little. Um, for years, they said, oh, testing proved that it was Hitler. Testing proved that it was Hitler. Uh, but I've seen multiple documentaries from the, like the history channel and not like conspiracy ones, just like, Hey, what happened to the Nazis? It's a historical piece. And every one of those that I've seen, the more recent ones, they tested the DNA. They did DNA analysis. They, the, cause the Russians turned into the Soviets and the Soviet union with, uh, the KGB wouldn't let us access that stuff. Uh, after all of that has changed and we had more of a diplomatic relationship, uh, they allowed the testing and it was a Bulgarian woman. So wasn't Hitler. We also know. Well, didn't, didn't Hitler have a lady friend? Yes. And the official story is, I believe if memory serves, it's a little fuzzy. Uh, He killed her in the bunker and then turned the weapon on himself. Right. Um, But we also know for a fact that many, 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 many Nazis went to Argentina. And there are parts of Argentina that still speak German. Matter of fact, I was looking at remote jobs and there was a remote job for uh, the Philippines and it was a requirement the job is in the Philippines I want to restate that the company is based in the Philippines they speak Tagalog if I remember correctly and the language requirements for the position is fluent in English and German That those are the requirements? yes you have to be fluent in Germany for a job based in the Philippines. And there are sections of Argentina that only speak German and they are all, a lot of them uh, look German. Uh, There's even photographs from, they have photographs and pictures of their ancestors that I shouldn't say ancestors of their parentage and grandparentage that, have Nazi regalia that have Nazi fucking materials. They were Nazis living in Argentina. Uh, we also know that they sent expeditions to the North pole and Antarctica to the point that a coalition of, uh, allied forces sent a large detachment to, uh, Antarctica to determine if Nazis were still there if they had a base and if so, what they found. We also know that the North pole had multiple flyovers to determine what the hell the Nazis were trying to find up there. And according to the pilot, large degree assault, because he's been kind of like thoroughly debunked from the official part of things. So it kind of depends on how much you really trust the narratives and stuff. Um, his stuff is so outlandish that I, I, I have a hard time believing him but he claims that he flew over the North pole, identified a hole uh, that led into the, which kind of created like the hollow earth theory that he flew down into 
because uh, his craft, his airplane was pulled into it. He saw a advanced civilization there that had all this fantastical stuff. They allowed him to leave and come back and the American government suppressed his eyewitness testimony, supposedly. Uh, Hollow Earth is its whole other thing, um, but it's it's interesting to me that we know the remains of, of Hitler potentially, because there's still, the official story is it's his remains, even though the testing doesn't seem to match up to that. Um, may or may not be Hitler. We know that Nazis flood Argentina, Antarctica, potentially the North Pole. Uh, sounds like the Philippines as well. And they were given asylum in the United States if they were a scientist and could help our space program. Anything to benefit us. Yeah. And you mix that all in with his fascination with the occult, his fascination with the Mahabhatara and creating advanced weaponry. They had advanced aircraft, they had advanced tank, they had advanced weaponry, and they obviously were trying to make a saucer fly, whether or not they successfully did is up to debate, but it's a, to me, it's an interesting subject to think about. And it definitely like that last image I sent, uh, seems to show an evolution on the original, from the original Mahabhatra idea up. Yeah, I would agree. That's my kind of fun one. Creation of flying saucers. Very well could be. And uh, based on the um, testimony from uh, what's his name? Wouldn't that be crazy though? Like, <laughs> All the flying saucers that we've seen that we're all worried about and everything are just more humans. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, um, like I, I personally don't believe that we're the only things in this like galaxy in this universe and everything. But it's like we're we're we we would be as like we would be so inclined to think that. Oh, that's that's a alien force, and here we are, is just looking at ourselves in the mirror, going, "Hey, look." <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, it it could be that it could be every single supposed flying saucer and UFO and all that stuff is just man-made <clears throat> technology that our governments are hiding from us because of matters of national security, right? You um, know, that's something my son actually brought up too. Was you were bringing up like uh, time jumping and stuff like that? Yeah, time skips. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, my son actually brought that up. He's like um, talking about how what if we like traveled through time and we were we're the ones that were like just seeing each other. We don't we just don't know it because we don't see like our faces, and we're time jumping to help correct things and fix things and like everything that's happened is like happening because somebody in the future is sitting going, we have to correct this. We got to get to the root of it. And this is the root of it. So we're going to fix it and do this and that and this and that. And he's just, he was going down this whole road. I was like, I'm proud of you, son, but <laughs> you're breaking my brain. 
Yeah. Like it's uh but at the same time we have guys like Bob Lazar, right? Uh Bob Lazar in nineteen eighty two worked at Los Alamos uh Mason physics facility in the Los Alamos National Laboratory. Uh he claims that he was approached to uh go to Area fifty one and reverse engineer propulsion from an unknown aircraft um, that they at first kind of said, yeah, we kind of think it might be uh, like enemy technology. We're just trying to, you know, figure out how they do stuff. He claims that it was a, a the, it was a facility adjacent to Papoose Lake, which is the South side of area 51's groom Lake. Uh, he said there were concealed hangars in the mountainside where nine flying saucers were he alleges that they are extraterrestrial in origin with anti-gravity capability. Um, he claims that he, there was some sort of antimatter reactor uh, using uh, a chemical element with atomic number 115 E115. Uh, it was named un, unpentium uh, and that it was not <clears throat> artificially created. And again, this is, you know, back in the 80s that he's saying all this. They discredit him. They claim he never worked at Los Alamos, even though he has a uh, employee directory that has his name on it. Uh, they claim that he never went to college, even though he's can prove that he was paying the college tuition. Uh, and, you know, he has a copy of his degree and he's in the uh, alma mater books that were published by the, the college. So it's like, I, I, can you claim he's never been in those things? Uh, he claimed that they had, um, what do you call it? Uh, biometric uh, entry protocols that would uh -huh. scan the distance between distance of uh, between the bones in your fingers. And at the time that was, you know, considered, high-end biometrics because you know we're still starting out with that stuff um and they said he was crazy none of this stuff makes any sense right um however in 2003 a artificial uh synthesized material with an atomic number of 115 would be called un unpentium and later renamed to Moscovium. Uh, the same element that he claimed this aircraft was using back in the 1980s. Uh, it then, through the Freedom of Information Act, uh, became identified in around 2013-2015 that the biometric tool that he claimed existed at area 51 was utilized by three letter agencies in the United States government. Uh, it was also proven, um, that there were experiments done with an element called 115 around that time frame. So it's like little things kind of adding up in his favor there. Um, he claimed that the earth has uh, made contact with 
some sort of alien race from the binary star system Zeta Reticuli. Um, but as of 2019, there have been no planets found there, but you know, doesn't mean it's not. Um, he claims he worked at S4 and all this stuff. And then ironically in 2017, now remember they're saying he's full of shit this whole time in 2017, his workplace and his home were raided by the FBI and local police with warrants trying to identify a stolen element in his possession from the lab in the 1980s called element 115. So if the element didn't exist and he was full of crap and he didn't work there, how would he have stolen element 115 and have it in his home or at his work? So, I mean, you couldn't have, right? Right. So it's pretty interesting. Now the things he's got going against him uh, is that in 1990, he was arrested for aiding and abetting a prostitution ring. In his defense, this is Nevada, so there are legal ways to do prostitution. Right, right. Uh, This was reduced to felony pandering, to which he pled guilty. Uh, He just had to do 150 hours of community service, and he couldn't go to brothels. So it's it's not like they even thought it was a big deal, but people kind of use it against him. Wait, he was pandering? Yeah. Was he just trying to get money to go to a brothel? Uh, pandering is the facilitation or provision of a prostitute or sex worker in the arrangement of a sex act. Yeah. If you're a procurer, you're a pimp. He's a bitch. (laughs) No, he was, uh, he, he was the pimp in that situation. Yeah, no, he's a bitch. Uh, so (laughs) 2006, they were also charged. Him and his wife were charged with violating the federal hazardous substances act for restri- uh, shipping restricted chemicals across state lines, which again was tied to the whole 115 thing. Um, and then I forget, let's see. Journalist Stephen Roderick, da, 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 da. a filmmaker named Jeremy Kenyon Locker Corbell uh, recently did like a, um, a Netflix movie like a documentary for him. Um, trying to see when that was. Uh, it was just a couple of years ago. And during the filming of that uh, documentary, he showed them a VHS tape where he did an experiment with Element 115. Um when that was shot after that footage was shot, he has a voice. They recorded this voice conversation with him where he was very upset and saying that he was, uh, he's like, I shouldn't have showed you the tape. I'm worried they're going to come back and uh, raid me again and all this stuff. He's like, I, maybe we should cut that out of the documentary as they're having the conversation. He's like, uh, yeah, never mind. They're here. So the journalist shows up and, multiple three letter agencies are raiding his home and his work again with warrants specifically searching for element 115. They find up. No, but uh, again, like 
why would these agencies consistently harass this person and search his home and his, his business for an element that apparently supposedly doesn't exist that he never had access to. Like the whole thing doesn't make sense. Right. But the things he does have going for him are pretty, um, mind blowing that he knew about S four, which is now through freedom of information act been validated. Uh, he knew about area 51 before area 51 was a thing. And of course, now we know that area 51 does exist, whether, you know, what it's used for, we don't know. Uh, the fact that he correctly named, he was correct that there was an element possible to exist that had a, a way to 115 and he got the name right. Decades before it was found. And he's being constantly searched for having the material. So take what you will from that, but I thought it was a interesting side note to the whole UFO thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it all strange how it all like ends up connecting all the, all the same. So, yeah. And it kind of feeds back to the, the earlier, uh, things we discussed of like how much is real, how much is what we're told is real is fiction. And you know, that whole thing, mm-hmm. like at, at some point it's like, where do we draw the line of like what we can trust, what we can't trust. And, and, and this part of the, the, this episode for me was just kind of the fun part of that. And like, mm-hmm. like, but I do want to mention like, the stealth bomber was a secret for a long time and through project blue book and some other things that have come out declassified. We know that a lot of UFO um, calls or, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for reports, right. Uh, mm-hmm. Were identified by the air force as being the secret bomber. So, it, you know, it, there is that caveat where, you know, how many of these things that we're seeing are our own technology. We just can't admit it because we don't want the enemy to know we have it. Well, I mean, even in the beginning of the internet was a secret too. Oh yeah. So was GPS. Yeah. Uh, so was the idea that the government could spy on you with a microphone from half a world away. Mm-hmm. You know, and now every- it's all, it's all free access now. And how many people were called crazy for saying that, the government could at some point use your TV to spy on you. Right. All those crazy dudes. Right. And that, that actually brings me to like the thought, like people with like the whole vaccine being, well, they're putting tracking devices in me. It's like, they don't, they don't need to insert anything into you. You're carrying around tracking devices like daily. Oh yeah. I mean, Snowden live them. I hate them or agree with what he did or not did show the world that they don't need like the whole, like, Oh, they need to show us. They can control us. That's why they want us to get the vaccine. They don't need us to know that they can control us and they don't care if we know. Right. They don't need a vaccine to track you. Like you said, like they have everything they need whenever they need it. If they ever suspect you of doing anything, combing through your social media and your, the access that they can get by buying your information from Facebook or even just hacking Facebook to get it. 
mm-hmm. or any other, you know, just getting access to your phone. Like if they think you're doing something and they look in those places, if you are they'll, doing it, they'll find it. <laughs> they yeah, don't. they'll find it. <laughs> like, and, and on top of that, all those people complaining about like having a tracking device implanted in them and everything, worried about the people knowing where you're at and everything at all times. It's like you're posting where you're at at all times already on social media. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, half the people that are against it will check in at, at locations. Yeah, I know. And like, then well, the other half that are against it and go, oh, no, I, I never check in anywhere. I was like, have you ever taken a picture anywhere? Well, yeah. Right. Did you turn off the geolocation information on your photographs? Because that's how John McAfee got caught. Even then, just being able to point out uh, uh, landmarks in the photos. Well, like every photo has metadata, right? If, right. if you don't turn off that feature on your phone, which the uh, interviewer that went to see John McAfee and he allowed to take a selfie with him, that journalist didn't have the setting turned off. So his metadata had the latitude latitude and longitude of his location when he took the picture. (laughs) And that's how they found John McAfee. (laughs) Wow. Because he, he posted that online for his online article. They right mouse click, save as ran it through X exif data, which gives you all the metadata. And it's like, Oh, there's a latitude longitude. Where's that at? Oh, this deserted island over here. <laughs> I could send the troops, and there he was. Oh. So the the things he like, and he's the security guy, and he didn't see that coming. But that's my that's me wrapped up on uh, the Nazi bell, UFOs, Bob Lazar, and John McAfee. <laughs> all right so i i think it just about does it for me you got anything else for the uh we're just gonna wrap it up man i had other stuff but we're almost at three hours yeah we're done sorry i went a little over on a couple on mine but uh, i I think that does just about do it for yeah i think that just about does it for us on this episode uh we both really hope you enjoyed the discussion and some of the stories that we told today And please join us next week for another episode. But in the meantime, join us over on Twitch, Twitter, Discord, TikTok, and Hover. Oh, I'm D-A-R-K-W-I-C-A-H-P-I. And uh, on everything but Twitter. Right. On uh, Twitter, it's an extra D in the front. So (laughs) D-Dark-Wikipi. Yep. Uh, For me, it's pretty much all Carl Banson here. K-A-R-L-B-A-N-N. S-O-N-R, with the exception of, I believe, uh, TikTok and YouTube, which is TTV Carl Bansonier. So if you can't find me with Carl Bansonier, just throw a TTV in the front there. But again, all of our previous episodes are available on Anchor FM, Amazon Prime, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podvine, and Spotify. So we hope that you will join our little community on Twitch and Discord and TikTok at the very least. Uh, again, if you go to our tic- our uh, Twitch, I, I'm sorry, if you go to our Twitter feeds, you can find the link to the Discord server, swing on by, drop questions, or just interact with the community. And just, uh, just you know, after everything is said and done, we aren't experts at everything. We don't you know claim to be. 
we're just a couple of friends having discussions and having fun with this. So we hope you can share and like and have fun with it too. And we thank you for all tuning in. And we look forward to having many more discussions in the future. Have a great night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Thank mm-hmm. you.